Luis, welcome back, bro. Hey, man. How you doing? Great to be here. Good, man. I'm excited to have you back to talk about some of the shit that's going on. Oh, yeah. All around uh, Mexico and South America. And it seems like no one's paying attention to it right now. But you have had, uh, you've been balls deep in cartel world. Yeah, dude. I mean, I don't know if luckily or what, but it's just the way things goes, you know. I, I'm, I'm supposed to be reporting the whole region, like Latin America, but Mexico is keeping me so busy right now. It's it's so wild what is happening in Mexico and what is about to happen. You know, yeah. With, uh, yeah. And like I was showing you last night, we got the, the tridents from my boy Manny, whose godfather is Felix Rodriguez. Dude. We're going to be going to talk to you soon, hopefully. <laughs> dude, that will be massive, dude. I mean, I've been, I've been after Felix Rodriguez for a while. I published this story about the involvement of the CIA in the murder of Kiki Camarena back in 97. Mm-hmm. The first time I published that story was in 2013 in a Mexican magazine called Proceso before several years before the documentary that it's now showing on Amazon. And um, and I try to get a hold of Felix, but he's a shadowy man. I mean, it's it's hard to get a hold of him, right? Mm-hmm. You see him, you've seen him like once every now, like on 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 interviews regarding the killing of Che Guevara yeah. and his operations in Cuba and Bolivia and South America, but he's never really talked about Mexico, right? And what he did in Mexico by, back in the eighties. Right. It will be ma- massive. Right. If we can get a hold of him, like, you know? Yeah. When one of the first documentaries you pointed out to me before we you first came on the show was that documentary called, I think it was The Last Narc. Yeah. Was it? With, yeah. um, with I forget who the other guy was, uh, but he basically, they found out somehow that there was a Cuban guy in the room when they were torturing Kiki. Mm-hmm. And the Cuban guy was most likely Felix. Yeah. I mean, that's what sources say all the time, right? And mm-hmm. th- there is like available transcripts of that recording where they're torturing Kiki Camarena. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, for some reason, the file, I mean, the audio files have never been out. They, I mean, several officials also say that they don't exist, that those tapes are fake, they don't really exist, and there's mm-hmm. a fucking rumor. But there are transcripts of the, of the whole call. Mm-hmm. The thing is the transcripts, they don't identify anyone, right, on, on the room. They kind of like identify Caro Quintero allegedly, but then again, Caro Quintero, he's an old man. He's always denied that, it, that he actually did something to hurt Kiki Camarena. Mm-hmm. Everybody is denying his invol- their involvement in, right. the, in the whole Kiki Camarena case. Right, so, right. I mean. And Felix, so Felix was brought into the CIA, I think like leading up to the Bay of Pigs, right, when they were training a bunch of the Cubans or the Cuban Americans to yeah. like basically go over there and invade and fight. Yeah, exactly. He was like he was a massive operator, right? He was a he's a Cuban that that used to know his country so well, but he was actually working for the U.S. government with the CIA as an asset because he knew the region, he knew the language, and he was right. extremely, um, I mean, skilled for for what he had to mm. do. I mean, he found. El Che Guevara, right, in Bolivia. So he was like, nice. he was like skilled, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, guys, just wanted to drop in real quick to let you know that on the back end of this YouTube channel, it says that 70% of the viewers have not yet hit the subscribe button. So if you enjoyed this podcast and you want to see more underground investigative episodes like this one, I want to ask you a favor, and that's to simply hit the subscribe button below this video. By doing this, you're enabling the podcast to get in front of and reach more people. 
which allows this thing to sustain itself and helps us to get more strange and interesting guests on the show. So if you will all just do me the favor and subscribe to the YouTube channel, I promise to keep making these episodes better every single week. Thank you all. I love you. I'm back to the show. Yeah. He was training the people in Mexico, the guerrillas, right, to go fight over in Nicaragua. Yeah. So what was happening there is that they, the U.S. government through the CIA had this arrangement with Mexican criminal organizations. They, they weren't still called cartels back then, back in the 80s. The deal was you train our people in the use of arms and, you know, fire weapons, all that, all that stuff. So they go and fight in Central America against the communism. Um and we'll let you a free pass for planes, airplanes packed with cocaine into the U.S., right? Mm -hmm. That was the deal. I The first time I reported this story, I met uh, Tosh Plumley, a great pilot uh, out of New Mexico. And he showed me a lot of like, his paperwork for all the stuff he did with the CIA. He was in charge of bringing these uh, loads of cocaine on private small planes. Sometimes they were like small Cessnas. <clears throat> across the border from a ranch in Veracruz and several other places in Mexico back to the U.S. And at the same time, Caro Quintero, Miguel Angel Felix Gallardo, and Ernesto Fonseca, those guys were the head of what was called the Guadalajara Federation, right? Right. And they were training people. They were training all these Mexican henchmen to go and fight in Central America. I don't think they actually knew what was really happening in the the broader scope you know that like they were fighting the contras and they were i think they knew that they needed to train armed people to go and fight in central america but probably they didn't understand who was behind the whole thing because that was one of the main things that felix was known for right to, for for keeping a low profile on the cias mm -hmm. you know like no no paper trail, no money trail, all that kind of stuff. So, so Felix probably went to these guys like Carl Quintero and and uh, and Felix and basically said, "We want to train our guy." He didn't say he was CIA. He probably just said, "We want to train your guys to fight." Yeah, what I think for... it's yeah. Well, I mean, pro it's pr probably Felix just sold the version that he had a way to keep bringing cocaine into the U.S. as a free pass. He's probably, he probably said, yeah. like, you know what, I'm a, I'm a huge trafficker, uh, Cubano, or whatever, and I'm, I'm, I can help you out because I have connections so we can bring a lot of airplanes. So when the Mexican criminal organization said, like, okay, this is a free pass, it's actually working, they don't give a shit what, what they have to pay or what they have to do in order for, to right. do that. Their eyes are on the target. They want money, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So they're probably saying, just train these people. We need. I need an army. I need a personal army. Whatever. I'm fighting a, another criminal organizations. Whatever. Central America. Mm. So just train a lot of my people. So they're like, yes, we'll 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 train your people in the use of arms. Whatever. Mm -hmm. If you keep letting us, you know. And <clears throat> that's where um, Kiki Camarena, this former DA agent, um, showed up. He found first this uh, huge property where they were. Uh, harvesting weed, uh, marijuana, in, in Chihuahua, the biggest plantation they've ever found, ever. But also he found these ranches where they were training these armed people. And he was about to call on his boss. He has he had asked for a meeting with uh, this uh, DA supervisor called Kukendall. He's the only one who has never done any interviews when it comes to that story. He was the supervisor. He was Kiki Camarena's supervisor. So, so if someone knows the, what really happened, it's Kukendall. 
but he even sued the production company of the last narc for how they portrayed his role in the whole thing really so he's been out of it like he's been out of every story he's mentioned because he's the main guy he was the supervisor he knows what happened um but he's never he's never has never talked about it so uh, I don't know. That's also kind of like sketchy, right? Because you would you would come out and say like, yeah, my agents were working good, whatever. Kiki Camarena requested a meeting to tell me something before he was kidnapped and eventually killed. <clears throat> this you guy, know. his supervisor, he was in the office when Kiki got kidnapped. <clears throat> he was uh, he was in the office, and Kiki Camarena was kidnapped right in front of the right headquarters, right? Going to lunch, right? Yeah, Waiting exactly. for his wife. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Is this guy still alive? Uh, Kukendall? Yeah. I think he is. Really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Probably between him and Felix, they have the whole fucking truth, you know, of what happened. If they're going to tell the truth, like, sometimes, I don't know, like, they're probably going to die before they actually yeah. tell. Felix us. is getting old, man. He's Felix is, well, like, 80-something, right? Yeah, he's in his late 80s, and he can either be, he, I walks around with a cane, apparently, and yeah. gets around very slow. And Dude, he needs to, he needs to come clean before he leaves this world, dude. <laughs> <laughs> just to know, know. <laughs> I mean, he's probably he was probably. I mean, it's probably true that he he, he could say like I wasn't even there. Mm. I swear to God, whatever. <laughs> we'll take a Bible to, yeah. to, to swear on it, dude. It's crazy. It's like what we were saying last night. It's like the olden days of when the the Guadalajara Federation controlled everything. It seemed like it was a much more smooth operation, way less bloodshed than what it is now with all the factions that are. Yeah competing for power down yeah. there in Mexico right now. So r right now in Mexico, what is the dynamic and the power structure of the cartels? Is it mainly just the Sinaloa cartel and the new generation cartel? Yeah, well, basically those are the, th th this is what changed through these years since the 80s, probably. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and six one since that matters and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Back then, they were basically or Korean organizations. They were cartels. They were drug cartels. I don't think it's accurate to call them drug cartels anymore. We we keep hearing the same thing over the news, right? Like drug cartels is probably the easiest way uh, to make uh, people to sim to oversimplify what these criminal organizations are. But um, but I don't think it's accurate at all because they're not just drug cartels. Back then, um, Felix Gallardo and all these dudes they were trafficking drugs, and that was their their their, their whole business, right? They didn't have any other business. But these criminal organizations right now that we're dealing with today. They're everything but drug cartels. Drug is just one uh, revenue stream from a huge uh, array of different revenues they, they get. Like, they're involved in extortion, they're involved in kidnapping, they're involved in monopolizing, they're involved in uh, uh, basically the um, sites of corruption, right? Like, let's say you want to, you're running to be a local president for a municipality in Mexico. You want to win. So the cartel shows up with you, say like, okay, you want to win this thing? We can put a lot of money and get you a lot of votes. So you win the election, but in order, uh, after you get uh, elected, 
what you're going to do with us is you're going to give us all the contracts for construction, for constructing hospitals, uh, roads, uh, schools, new developments, all that stuff. Because that's the way they're going to make money out of it on these semi-legal things, right? They're monopolizing water, they're monopolizing gold mines, they're monopolizing a lot of like natural resources all over Mexico. Now they're um, all over with the immigration, they're basically handling the whole illegal immigration path and, and networks in, in Mexico and Central America. So they're everywhere where there is money to be made. So, but cocaine is still like 80% of the revenue, right? Yeah, cocaine is pretty large still, but I, I'm, not, I'm not sure if I will call cocaine it's still a main revenue for them. I think it's a you steady... You even call it a main revenue. No, I think it's a steady revenue, probably the most steady revenue they have. But when you, talk, when you have things like fentanyl, which is huge revenue for them, I think that that's, that, that's uh, displacing the revenue from cocaine. Cocaine right now, it's at its lowest price per kilo in the U.S. I thought I saw a story. I ta I've talked about it on this podcast recently, actually. I thought I saw a story somewhere where one of the bosses of the Sinaloa cartel put out some sort of message to all of the other bosses or people that were working in the cartel saying that if they caught anybody mixing fentanyl into cocaine, they'd be executed or something yeah. like that. And there was like signs or something they put out. Yeah. yeah. If, if, you, if you take into account that they make public these, um, this announcement, it's not for their henchmen, right? Because they have private communication. They have private ways to communicate with the other organizations and, and stuff without making it public. They have walkies they have means to reach every other member of the organization to tell them there is a ban right mm -hmm. but the fact that they make it public says that they're talking to us uh, right to, to people propaganda. to media it's propaganda exactly that's what they leave banners and that's what they leave like bodies with a small mountain of fentanyl pills so that's literally to this mark to unmark themselves from the whole industry saying like no we're the good guys we're enforcing side by side with you guys us and mexico government we're working all together to stop the fentanyl production but that's bullshit they're just moving kitchens to other places right now if you go to sinaloa it's really hard to find a laugh a, a fentanyl laugh in sinaloa right because there's a lot of operations they don't want to be you know like on the spot and that stuff this is the article. <laughs> Sinaloa cartels mes message to members. Stop yeah. making fentanyl or no, die. die. Yeah. Crime, crime group yields to intensifying U.S. law enforcement pressure and is kidnapping or killing producers who defy the ban. Is there a picture of the banners that they're posting? Oh, no, it's a, paid, it's a so paywall. It's a paywall. <clears throat> yeah, but yeah. They, they, so this is all propaganda. This is just to get the media attention. That's, the, that's what it was intended for, right? right. For articles like this. Like, yes. So everybody says like, okay. The, and they want the U.S. media attention. That's what they want, right? They reach out to journalists. They reach out to um, uh, Mexican officials. They put out banners on that they, they, they think it's going to make flashy news headlines, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, the next day. And we all fall for it. I mean, of course, my editors ask me, like, hey, do you want to write a story on it? And I'm like, okay, let me just call some of these contacts I have in Sinaloa to see mm -hmm. what they say, what they feel. And of course, everybody said, like, dude, it's bullshit. Where, I mean, everybody's still, you know, cooking fentanyl. It's just a way to make it look like the organization is not involved anymore. Because mm. even rivals, like the guys in, um, in Tijuana, right? The Arellano Felix organization. 
they've been rivals forever with a with a Chapitos faction with a Sinaloa cartel. Are they still legitimate? <clears throat> they're still around. I mean, it's not handled by the main family members, uh, but they're still around. They're, the, the organization kept the name, but it's just new players, right? Like left so, leftovers of probably the leftovers. So, mm-hmm. um, but even so, they also set up banners all over Tijuana saying like, yeah, we support or rivals initiative of banning fentanyl also on our territory in Tijuana. So if we find fentanyl, whatever. But if you go to Tijuana, dude, it's so easy to get a hold of these M30 fake uh, oxys or fake pills, you know, which are all all, um, laced with fentanyl. So it hasn't stopped. I mean, the fentanyl trade, it hasn't stopped. It hasn't even wind down. It's it's still huge. They just moved the kitchens. I wrote a story about the kitchens uh, mo- being moved to uh, Bogota in Colombia. They started yeah. moving the whole the whole thing to small apartments in Bogota, to San Luis Potosi. So different Mexican states. That's literally what's happening. So where the cartels are at now, like you like you just mentioned, they're not just drug cartels anymore. They are multinational empires. Exactly. Like yes. They're 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 controlling. Many states or countries in South America, mm-hmm. Mexico, how many total countries are they? Dude, I mean, I guess, I don't know, dude. I mean, it's going to be hard because, again, you have to understand these These are like criminal enterprises or criminal insurgencies, right? right. They, they, they're huge. And they're not vertical. There's not like a single boss and then a bunch of people. They're like more horizontal organizations with, with smaller verticals, um, tiers. You know, you have a boss and then probably four guys and then below, you know, mm-hmm. but for the most part, they're horizontal organizations, very dynamic. So you kill one, they move another one. Mm-hmm. If you arrest one, just the next one pops up, right. but the organization keeps at it, right? <clears throat> so that means when you try to identify what is and or who is a member of a cartel, it's kind of hard because the old lady who is a lookout on, on a corner for the cartel, is she part of the cartel or is she just getting... You know, 20 bucks a month to Mm. make a call whenever she sees something strange. Uh, What they call cartel, they themselves, the people who call themselves cartel are just the henchmen, the armed people. Uh, When you go to Sinaloa or to with with the guys of the Jalisco, New Generation, whatever, uh, what we see as the armed branch of an organization, that's what they call cartel. So if you say like, if you... When sicarios. I, exactly, basically sicarios. And when I interview people that are managing the organization, that are in charge of money or attorneys or making decisions, they hate it when you call them cartel members. Like, right? So, so you're a cartel member. They're like, no, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm part of the organization, right? The Sinaloa organization. Yeah. The cartel is just the armed branch of our organization. Right. <clears throat> That's how they see it. And I think that's probably when we were having a hard time to identify what is cartel, who represents a cartel. Again, the buyers of the whole thing, of the drugs, even if they pay with money or they're paying with arms, are on this side of, of the border, right? Uh, or on the U.S. side? On the U.S. side. I mean, that's, that's where the drugs are intended to come. So most of the buyers are on the U.S. side of the border. So are they cartel members or are they part of the organization or are they just clients? Like, it's hard to tell who it, like the boundaries of what we call a criminal enterprise, right? <clears throat> because when you think about like, let's think about like a proper enterprise, like let's think about Coca-Cola, right? You have employees and then you have a buyer. 
on large scale. So they say like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm a distributor for you. But do they work for Coca-Cola or are they just distributors? How does, I mean, how, do, how does that play out? In the yeah. criminal world, the whole thing is the, to get arms right. and money from the U.S. and drugs into the U.S. So you need a buyer. Even before you start cooking or buying, if you want to get into it like as, as an independent, what you first need is a client, right? Someone who's already buying your shit. Mm-hmm. So you will go to L.A. or Miami or whatever and find a buyer. And you say like, hey, man, I have the capability to bring you 10 kilos of cocaine, purest quality, whatever. And when that person agree and it says like, okay, yes, uh, let's do it. Then you go to your source and then source yourself and make money within that transaction. But then it, that, that's literally how the whole world of drug trafficking works, mm-hmm. right? So there's a bunch of them representing the cartel or the criminal organization on this side of the border. Usual buyers, usual distributors, people that knows uh, what uh, arms they, they need back in Mexico, you know, where to source them. Mm. And they're also making money out of it or collecting the whole money for the, uh, for the uh, criminal organizations, laundering money through hotels, through real estate, through a bunch of different um, industries. And they are part of the organization, right? They are probably the most important part of the fucking organization. They're not, uh, right. right? They're kind of the shots, but they're handling the money. They're handling the whole part of the operation that makes a criminal organization work. They're like the sales team. Exactly, yeah, yeah. So right now, basically what we have in Mexico is it's this dynamic, very dynamic operation between criminal enterprises or, or, or criminal insurgencies that they work uh, very, they work side by side with the Mexican government as well in terms of corruption, in terms of getting rid of rivalry or even political rivals. You know, these past uh, federal elections, we have the uh, most violent uh, election process in, in Mexico's history. There were over 19 candidates killed all over mexico what when? it was fucking wild it, it was uh i think two years ago <clears throat> two or three years ago actual presidential candidates uh n- not all or presidential political like candidates. political candidates yes okay. like uh, state state governors local uh municipal uh, uh mayors um presidential candidates it was wild dude and that it that only shows you that a political the political aspect of Mexico, it's not only political anymore, it's also criminal. They're embedded, right? Because mm-hmm. they order these hits. Uh, why else will a cartel or a criminal organization go and kill a politician if they don't have stakes in politics, right? Mm-hmm. So that means they work side by side. And right now there are two main factions. with The Sinaloa cartel with the Sinaloa organization with a bunch of different factions and the Cartel Jalisco Nueva Generación, which is now breaking starting to break into little factions as well. Those are the, the main ones, not the only ones. There, there are still the uh, Setas Vieja Escuela, which is a branch of the old Setas cartel, right? Um, you have the Cartel del Golfo, Cartel del Noreste. Uh, you, have a, a, you, you even have... The worst ones are on the East Coast, right? Mm, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I don't think they, they are like... 
on the East Coast because they really operate in whole Mexico, but mm-hmm. they have stronger stakes on the East Coast because that's where you have the biggest international ports, seaports, mm. where the precursors, arms, money wow. are coming in, right? They're coming in from the Gulf? They're coming in from, from I'm t- sorry, from the West Coast, from, from mm. the West Coast. Mm. So, so you have all the coast of Sinaloa and all the coast of Michoacán, mm. right? And, and, and so, so that's where the, the uh, two main cartels are based or operating probably more right. strongly. Mm. And then you have on the northeast part of Mexico, in Tamaulipas, Nuevo León, you have the Cartel del Noreste, which is a strong cartel, also a branch of the Zetas. Uh, and then on the southern part of Mexico, you have this really interesting new development, which is a, a, an indigenous cartel. They're called Cartel Chamula. Chamula is an indigenous community from southern Mexico, um, Maya descendant. And they form their own cartel, like their own criminal organization to fight yeah. against the Jalisco, fight against the Sinaloa cartel, and to handle their own, their own shit. And they communicate on these Mayan uh, language between each other. And you have to be a Chamula in order to be part of the Chamula cartel. Whoa. So you, the, the dynamics of the criminal organizations in Mexico are, are wild and are ever-changing. So it's really hard to put a black and white thing on them. Like, these are the good guys, these are the bad guys, these are the most violent, these are, you know, the, the main ones, because there's a, a bunch of them. If you, if, even if you talk about just a single organization like the Sinaloa cartel, there's a bunch of factions. You have Mayo Zambada's faction, you have Los Chapitos faction, you used to have the Minilik or the Damasos faction. Mm-hmm. Uh, you used to have Los Rusos faction, right? So you, you have a, but then you have different smaller families like Los Salazar, Los Casares, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So you have right. a bunch of different families. And when you talk about the Cartel Jalisco Nueva Generación, for the most part, they are a single brand. But right now, it's breaking down into the Jardineros and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, like different other like smaller players that are trying to break their own branch of the same organization. That's interesting what you said about the uh, the indigenous cartel in southern Mexico. We just had a guy on here a couple months ago, or maybe two months ago, this guy named Luke, who explores southern Mexico and South Meso- like Mesoamerica, Central America. And he basically explores all these hidden cities. And there is like millions of miles of hit uncharted cities in the jungle down there in southern mexico and central america and he says like sometimes when you go out to like these temples he's like they're guarded by armed cartel members Mm -hmm. because these guys will loot those places looking for gold and shit and looking for treasure and and artifacts and and pottery and artwork and they'll sell it on the black market for tons of money a hundred percent true man yeah that's not that that, that's what i was telling like these guys are not dealing with drugs they have a branch that is looking for gold that are looking for gold or silver or uh ancient artifacts you know to, Mm -hmm. to sell like to traffic and all that stuff and that's literally how it works. The thing is, <clears throat> these criminal organizations are going to be around like flies around shit when, when there's money to be made, right? Yeah. It, when you go to places like the um, Sea of Cortez in, in Baja California, beautiful sea, and you have a huge, uh, you have a season where a lot of um, jellyfish come, out, come up, right? 
so that's that's not working for tourism and shit. So the uh, local fishermen they started like fishing all these uh, jellyfish, and there was interest by uh, the uh, by a couple of uh, companies in Taiwan to buy all the jellyfish from them because really? they eventually dehydrate them, treat them with salt, and sell it to China because it's a it's a luxury food in, really? in China. <clears throat> So when the cartel learned about that, they're like, okay, so you're making literally millions of dollars out of jellyfish that we don't use in Mexico. Okay, we're, we're in. So they, they started going in, the Sinaloa cartel particularly, by threatening local fishermen. They killed one and they burned a couple of, of the um, uh, uh, trailers where they moved the jellyfish just to, to make... A statement and say like, hey, you're not you're not gonna deal directly with these Taiwanese companies. We are gonna be in the middle. We're gonna buy from you, super cheap. There is there is no permission for anyone to go out into the sea without our permission. You need to ask us for permission to go and fish jellyfish before you do. So we know how many exactly you got out of the sea, and we have control of the whole operation. We're gonna make money out of it. So they monopolize the whole jellyfish business now in they're literally like a parasite to any sort of fucking money-making operation that exists down there like it's a communism yeah yeah literally what the i wonder what china uses the jellyfish for they eat it they eat jellyfish yeah yeah they they dehydrate the yellowfish they treat it with salt and they eat it like like it's like a delicacy yeah it's like delicacy yeah it's like it's like you find some photos i wonder if it tastes good i uh uh these Peanut butter and jellyfish sandwich. (laughs) It seems to be like super salty. I mean, that's what I've been told, that it's super extremely salty. Probably not not tasting good for us, but... um, Jellyfish is eaten in China and other Asian countries. In China, jellyfish is eaten as a delicacy in many ways, including in salads, a part of cold appetizers and marinated dish. Oh, Hmm. it doesn't look bad. I bet you it was some soy sauce. I bet you, I bet you it was pretty good. Ah, I'm not sure, man, because if it's already salty, could you imagine that even with like soy sauce? Oh, yeah, that might be too salty. Dehydrated and pickled with sesame oil and salads. I want to try some now. Yeah, I don't, I'm not, I don't so, feel yeah, so inclined to. <laughs> the fishermen were making millions of dollars harvesting these jellyfish. Yeah. And now they're being taxed by the cartels. Exactly. Just as, as what happened with the... Uh, I mean, is it a fair is it a fair tax or is it a tax that no, literally it's, it's like crazy. cripples their business? Literally, these this past season they they lost the whole season because they they couldn't pay the. the I'm saying, tax. is it a fair tax? Like, is it, yeah, is like it a fair. fair. Is it fair? Twenty percent's fair. Fifty would be unfair. Dude, that's there's no fair game. You know? <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, so it's so it's so it's wild. They had to stop the, the whole season because they they didn't want to deal with with cartels. Right? They were too afraid. It was wild. <sighs> What's up, guys? I'm super psyched to introduce to you another product that I've been using for years now that was also recommended to me by the world-renowned nutritional scientist, Dr. Dominic D'Agostino, and it is called Keto Brains. Keto Brains Nootropic Creamer is a way to perfectly dial in your morning beverage to bring you razor-sharp focus on demand. I start out every day with Keto Brains in my cup of coffee to combat the midday slump, and I use it for pre-workout. Keto Brain's nootropic creamer has efficacious doses of focus-inducing alpha-GPC, lion's mane, 
alpha wave promoting L-theanine and ketone stimulating C8-MCT powder. And all of those high functioning nootropics are packed into a delicious, creamy coconut powder. It tastes amazing. It's a keto nootropic powerhouse and it tickles all the right neurotransmitters to give you the flow and jitter-free energy with absolutely zero crash. There's no dosage tricks involved. It's just one scoop is a full serving. You can put it in your coffee, your tea, put it in your water, whatever you want, and you get 30 full doses per package. There's no pills and there's absolutely no waiting for it to work. It kicks in like that. You can keep your brain razor sharp, primed, and ready for action with Keto Brain's nootropic creamer. Whether you're an entrepreneur juggling multiple projects, a student studying for exams, or you're an athlete that's trying to optimize your training, Keto Brain's will not let you down. All right, here, I'm going to list all the ingredients contained in Keto Brains and what they do. It increases ketone production via AGC8MCT powder. It increases acetylcholine and HGH production via 300 milligrams of alpha-GPC. It increases GABA and alpha-wave production via 250 milligrams of L-theanine. And it increases BDNF and NGF via 500 milligrams of lion's mane mushrooms. And these are all carefully sourced and third-party tested ingredients. This stuff quite literally increases acute brain function, protects your brain and mitochondria long-term, and last but not least, it makes your coffee delicious. If you're interested in Keto Brains and you want to get a big discount, just go to the link in the description below ketobrains.com and use the promo code Danny20 when you check out. Again, that's ketobrains.com. Hit the link below and use the promo code Danny20 at checkout. Back to the show. I spoke with one of these fishermen and he's like, dude, I'm I'm too scared to go out and you know ask for who's gonna ask for permission and how's that gonna work? And if right. you're in the middle and you know, they think that you're ripping them off and so like, no, you got more yellowfish than what you're telling me, whatever. So he was like too afraid. Well, didn't you just do a story about some farmers who were getting extorted? They were basically taxing them so much and the farmers got to a point where it's like they're not making enough money on harvesting whatever it was they were. Avocados. The avocados. They weren't making enough money. So where they either had to die fighting against the cartel or die of starvation because they weren't going to make any money. Yeah. This is this has been happening in Mexico for a while. Every Super Bowl season, the U.S. consumes so many avocados. and every, <laughs> Guacamole? Yeah, dude. Yes. <laughs> that it makes a war in Mexico. We love guac. <laughs> dude, every, every Super Bowl season is war season in Mexico. So now there is a police called the Avocado Police, La Policía del Aguacate in Michoacán. It's basically civilians geared up on their own resources to look over. Michoacán, that's in Sinaloa? That's in. Uh, or that's Sinaloa, that's in Michoacán. No, 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 Michoacán's a different state. Okay, okay, but it's, okay, okay uh, got it. it's central Mexico. Okay. Um, so they, 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 that's where the self-defense groups came uh, up 10 years ago with Hipólito Mora, right? The, the first time they basically armed themselves and said, like, we're going to fight against cartel. We're going to fucking die. Um, eventually, they, they won their first fight, which was a great pre- precedent for, I mean, a great uh, background for, for Mexico. Mm-hmm. So there started, like, a lot of people started form- forming their own uh, guerrillas or their own self-defense groups until cartels said so like you know what fuck it we we had enough so last lot no this year <clears throat> i was in michoacan because they killed the uh, founder of the self-defense groups uh, a man a very fucking brave man a farmer called hipolito mora he was the leader he was kind of like the uh central figure for every other self-defense groups in mexico right and and they killed him on, the, on his way back to his house from his farm, and they burned him alive inside his pickup truck. 
he had he had guard by the Mexican state officials. They they put him guards to protect his life because he has been receiving threats. Mm-hmm. Even they they all got killed and and burned inside the vehicles. It was it was sad and alarming for I visited his house I visited the place where he was burned where his body was burned dude everybody was like quiet like in a fucking funeral no one was like saying anything the town looked deserted it was really <clears throat> I don't know dude it, it was like yeah kind of like sad and scary at the same time um, so what's going to happen with this farm well they they kept it the, Who the, kept it? The, the fucking cartels. The cartels kept all of his land. So they um, killed him and they got away with stealing his yeah. fucking farm. Yeah, dude. And very recently, uh, probably the story you were talking about, uh, probably like two weeks ago, in Mexico State, these farmers also got extorted. They, they've been extorted forever by, by La Familia Michoacana, another cartel in central Mexico. But they, they asked for twice what they were getting. They were paying... One peso per square foot on, on what they whatever they were harvesting. One uh, a peso. It's uh, right now it's uh, eighteen pesos per dollar. So it's pr- probably a peso is not significant in U.S. currency, but uh, but for a Mexican, one per, peso per square, per square foot, foot of, of, the, of of what they were har- harvesting. Right, a lot of corn, beans, whatever they're harvesting. Okay. So if you have, I don't know. Uh, uh, 10,000 square meters of whatever you're harvesting, you need to pay a peso for every square foot, right, of that. And they asked them for twice that. They're like, okay, so this year you're going to have to pay, starting this year, double, two pesos per square foot. They had a really bad season because it it didn't rain in that part of Mexico this season. So they were like, dude, there's no way we can pay that. So they're like, well, you either pay or you die. They said yes, but they met a night before. They had to meet these guys to pay their their taxing, right? And they met at a soccer field in this little town in Mexico. The the cartel members showed up, all geared up as usual, dressed as military members, whatever. And then the whole community showed up. But they showed up with with, uh, shotguns, machetes, sticks and stones. And they were like, we're not paying shit, man. And a fucking hell broke loose. You, you see the videos. There's people getting cold, killed like that. Like, boom, right in the fucking head. And then another guy in the back is like, boom, you killed my friend. Everybody started killing everyone. In total, there were 14 murders. 11 of those murders were cartel members. So that was a big win for that community. Wow. They were like, because they killed the leader of the La Familia Michoacana in that region. Oh, no right? shit. So they're like, fuck off. Now, this past week, they came back. La Familia Michoacana came back to that town and kidnapped a lot of young girls, a lot of babies, mothers. Kept, they're keeping them as ransom. So they, because they're asking, like, turn, o- turn over your leaders, the guys who started this fucking fight. Turn them all over to us, or we're not gonna. Uh, we're gonna kill all, all the all your family members. And the situation it's still tense. I mean, they still haven't released the uh, the kids, the woman, because they want to. They want the community to turn over the the leaders of who started that revolt against the cartel to teach them a lesson. Right? And what does the Mexican military <clears throat> do about this? Are they asking Nothing. them to help? Nothing. They've been asking for help for 
probably the last five years, this community. And, and the, the Mexican army or the Mexican government has never showed up. What the Mexican president said was just like, oh, yeah, yeah, we knew about, we knew about those guys. They were major targets for us. We were, we were just uh, unable to find them before, but they're dead now. So you guys are good. And that's it. That's literally it. Yeah, dude, it's, it's mind-blowing what's happening right now in Mexico. That's fucking insane, man. Wild. Now, who who is... So you just got done with a... You did a really big interview with... And I think... Did you partner with <clears throat> Grillo to release it? Yeah. What, what, what was that interview? That was the, with the guy who basically was Damaso Lopez, right? Mm-hmm. He was partners with with el chapo yeah or he was his started out as his security el chapo like he gained his trust over the years however long it was and then eventually el chapo made a deal with him saying if i ever get pinched or if i ever get killed you're gonna take my spot yeah exactly and this guy that you met with was his His son son. yes got it so basically the 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 damasos uh started off when when el chapo escaped for the first time from from prison in mexico right his first he helped him escape he he was the director of the of the prison he was, he was an attorney, and and he was the director of that prison. Right, right, right. So he helped El Chapo escape. So when El Chapo escaped, he knew they were going to come after him. So El Chapo offered him a job. He's like, okay, after I'm gone, come and look for me in, in Sinaloa, mm-hmm. and I'll give you a job. And he made this guy, Damaso Lopez Nunez, uh, El Licenciado, uh, he made him his right hand in the cartel on his faction, right? So he was dealing with, he was basically calling the shots. Like, even though I'm going to get a lot of, uh, a lot of these comments saying, no, dude, uh, he was never a shot caller, whatever. He was the brains behind El Chapo, right? El Chapo will consult everything to him. It was like, really? okay, we want to, what do we do? We're facing these and that. And he, will, he was, was a smart man. He was, he was an, a fucking attorney. So he will say like, okay, let's not go into a fight. Let's do these or Let's go into the uh, fight. Let's form a new group. Let's move money here and there. He was El Chapo's right hand, his most trusted man. Mm. And they became uh, compadres, basically. He was the uh, godfather to his sons, mm-hmm. and Damaso was godfather to Los Chapitos. Right. So they were family, basically. Yeah. Right? They were embedded with them. They were family. They grew up together. Uh, the son of, of Damaso Lopez Nunez, Damaso Lopez Serrano, El Mini Leak. Uh, he was basically part of Los Chapitos. They they grew up together. He was best friends with Alfredo. He was best friends with uh, Edgar, uh, the, the youngest uh, of Los Chapitos. And eventually, when El Chapo got kidnapped, El Chapo got... Um, was he friends uh, with... Um, was El Mini League good friends with... Um, Ovidio. Ovidio. Uh, and Ivan Archibaldo, yeah. all those guys. They they literally grew up together. They they, they he was uh, best friends with El Mayo's son as well, Del Mayo Gordo. Oh, wow! So he was like there was there was a pack of narco juniors, you know, uh, basically owning the whole fucking state of Sinaloa. And um, so what happened is when they arrested El Chapo and he was got extradited, he sent a letter to to Damaso to El Licenciado, saying that all of the money was for his four kids. And his wife, Emma Coronel, right? But the organization, he was going to leave that in the hand of the Damasos, right? The Elik and El Minilik. Probably was a smart move. Wait, wait, wait. So the money, meaning the money that they already the yeah. cash or the, the income that the business was bringing in? I guess both. Like the, the cash that he already had, the, the properties, all that shit. Because on the letter, what he said, it was like, 
you already have enough money. Just get out, get out of this shit. Live your life. You have kids. more than enough to his kids and his wife. You live, you live your life. Mm -hmm. You have more than enough to live a good life, and leave the organization in the hands of Damas. Right? It was probably a smart move because El Chapo probably thought that this was coming. These war against los chapitos and that they're going to end like him extradited yeah. to the u.s facing right. life sentences and that right. kind of shit so he didn't want that for his kids mm -hmm. he's like well you don't want like let 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 el, el licenciado take the fucking heat and you guys retire right. and leave well well they didn't they didn't want to do that they 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 were like fuck no the organization is ours we're the head of the organization right now they didn't listen to his dad and they started fighting against the Damasos against their godfather, basically, the, the one in charge. For what I understand, Damaso El Licenciado tried to negotiate, right? He tried to like say, like, guys, this is what your dad wants to happen to the organization. I don't want to fight with you. But then they started, you know, killing his henchmen, killing his security people. The Chapito like, started yeah, killing his? Started killing his. For what, for what Mindy League told me, like, his version of the story mm -hmm. and every time they will come after them saying like hey why, why are you killing our people they're like oh dude, it was a mistake sorry my my guys were like really high or really drunk whatever but i'm gonna give them a lesson sorry about that and they keep doing it keep doing it keep doing it until damaso lopez serrano el mini leak got fed up with it and he talked to his dad he's like dude i'm gonna go all in against los chapitos fuck it his dad was like, dude, we, we don't need a fight. We don't want to fight between a family, within a single faction. Let's just solve this out. He gathered a group of other cartel members uh, from everywhere, even from like ma mafia people from Canada, like from everywhere, that they hated on was Chapitos, right? So he gathered a group, made a, a, a WhatsApp group, and said like, hey, we need to get rid of these fuckers. Like, they're just making too much waves here in Sinaloa. We don't want them. What do we do? So they started planning. And by the birthday of the oldest, Ivan Archivaldo Guzman, he was celebrating in, in Guadalajara, Popan, mm. at this fancy restaurant. And they kidnapped the four sons of El Chapo. The order was to kill them, right? But El Mayo got in the middle. They tried to negotiate. And then El Chapo was in prison in Ciudad Juarez, right at the border between uh, El Paso, Texas, and Mexico. And from there... Oh, this is before he was extradited. Before he was, uh, 2017, probably a couple of months before he was extradited. 2016, I'm sorry. So he called, he, he managed to get the news from the, from the guards mm -hmm. there. And he requested a call. So he called a prison in Jalisco, where El Cholo, his right hand, his henchman, El Cholo was arrested. And he said, like, hey, Cholo, I know you get along well. We get along well with El Mencho's people, whatever. I know that El Mencho's, the head of the Jalisco cartel, new generation, I know that his son is in prison with you and your friends. But you know what? This is no time to make friends. I need you to kidnap him inside prison to make him disappear until they let my kids go. So El Cholo went after the son of El Mencho inside prison, kidnapped the kid, made the director of that prison called El Mencho and said like, hey dude, your kid is nowhere to be found. And this is a message to you. As long, as soon as you free my kids that are kidnapped, I'll free yours. 
Meaning Los Chapitos. Meaning Los Chapitos. Okay. So, so basically, El Mencho was like, I'm not, I'm not part of this shit, but it's my turf, right? It's, it's Guadalajara, it's Jalisco, this mm-hmm. is my turf. So he ordered the Chapitos freed. So they had to free them, and then they freed his son inside prison, right? And that's how they, that's how they literally declared war against each other. Wow. Los Chapitos against Damaso. Mm-hmm. Los Chapitos eventually managed to get a lot of like more power and overpower the Damasos. And Damaso was arrested in Mexico City. Damaso dad, uh, Licenciado, mm-hmm. was arrested in Mexico City. What year was he arrested? Uh, I think it was 2017. Okay. And then months after, uh, Minilik uh, couldn't hold the, you know, the his his turf. Right. So he had he went for the border in Calexico and turned himself over to the DEA. He has been talking with the DEA for a while now, and he had been like planning on turning himself over so he can, you know, give information against Los Chapitos. And now he's the main guy behind the hunt against Los Chapitos because he went. He served for five years. They released him. He's free. He's not under WITSEC. He's not under uh, uh, witness protection or whatever. He's just the main source of information. He's not under witness protection at all? No, he's not. They're protecting him. The DEA is protecting him. The DEA is protecting him. But he's not. He never signed as a WITSEC. He's not signed in as a WITSEC. How much protection could you possibly get from the DEA? Not sure, man. Not sure. But, But when I met him, I could tell that there were a couple of agents around the place we met oh really so they're yeah they're putting an eye on him to so okay explain to me how this interview came about <clears throat> what like did he reach out to you out of the blue or how did this happen yes he reached out to me through instagram first he sent me a dm and of course i'm like yeah dude i mean i get reached out by these amount of career your dms must be insane but they're fucking wild man they're fucking wild i mean Every, probably I get, what, like five, ten messages request every single hour of people saying everything from threats, from help me, I have a, a family disappear, whatever, uh, to advise, hey man, I'm traveling to Mexico, is it safe to go to this resort in Cancun, whatever, Right. to, hey, I'm El Mayo. Hey, I'm talking to you on behalf of this crazy secret organization in the U.S. that you never heard of, and we, we're gonna kill you. To there is a bounty on your head. To watch out, I'm a U.S. official, and I know that this is happening. To this is a new software criminals are using. I'm part of it called Titan. We'll get into it later. The, these leads all come in through your Most DMs. Most of the leads come. Most through, of them. Yes. Do. How do you filter out which ones are legit or not? Do you do you actually go through them all? No. no I imagine no. it's got to be hard no, to keep your sanity, yeah, bro. No, no, no. I mean, I, there, there's no fucking way I can go th- through it all. Um, what I usually do is when I think there could be a story, I go and try to vet the information and the people behind it. If that person is not willing to turn on his video camera to share IDs, to share like kind of like that kind of shit, I just drop it. I, okay. I literally drop it. Right. If, 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 if someone tell me, even if it sounds like good info, most of the guys with good info, they will do, they will follow, they, they will like- They'll show you Yeah, they'll like, let's move to a secure app. I, I have a couple of secure apps. And let's move to that, open an account on these on these several secure apps, whatever, and um, turn on your camera so I can know you. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so I can meet, because you know my face, you know my name, you, all, you know all about me, but I don't know who's behind that account. So right. it's only fair right. to be in a neutral space. Yep. I know how to take care of your side of things so you don't get backlash or whatever. I'm not going to record anything. We're just going to talk first, right? I need to understand who are you? Why are you bringing this information to me? What are your motivations? What do you want for it? What kind of information is this? I, I waste a lot of time with kind of like fake, weak leads, right? But sometimes it works because you get some strong fucking leads, you know? So sometimes it's just nothing, old news, something that it's just rumors, something like, I know a guy who knows a guy who has a cousin, that blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, how do you vet or how do you, what, what like red flags do you look for when you're vetting some of these people that are messaging you that, like to determine whether they have some sort of ulterior, ulterior agenda or motive or might just be like a one faction of one, one cartel that wants to like attack another faction or paint another faction in a bad light or first red flag is when they say it's just for the sake of truth, just for the sake of, you know, everybody has an agenda dude. Mm-hmm. like everyone especially if right. they reach out to someone who's about to publish something so yeah so most of these guys are are because i i speak with a lot of honesty like that's what i do i talk about my ways of doing it i'm very honest on saying like it's probably nothing i'm probably not even going to publish this shit or mm-hmm. just stop and don't tell me shit because i don't want to know about that stuff mm-hmm. Or just like, hey, dude, I'm going to have to, if you bring this information to me, I'm going to have to bet this through U.S. and Mexican officials. If you're good with it, I mean, I'm, I'm going to try to protect your identity and everything. But with this info, I might have to bet it through these people to see if they know something. To blah, 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 blah. So I'm super honest about my process, right? Mm-hmm. And when the person behind that account is honest as well and is like talking to me on video, whatever, and say like, you know what? You know why I'm bringing this to you? Because I want to retire and I want to fuck these guys over and that's it. Or they did me wrong and I want to fuck them. Or I just think this is overstepping, uh, you know, the, the my morals or my, you know, things. And this is, this is something that I don't want to be involved into, but I got this info. So I'm just handing it over to you and do what you got to do. Or yes, I'm a member of the faction against those guys. So those guys are a motherfucker. Like the like Damaso himself, when he reached out, he said like, "Hey man, I'm I'm Damaso Mini League. Uh, I I had uploaded a couple of videos about him, and because he was uh, recently freed, so I uploaded a, a a video saying that he was free." And we we have the video that he originally sent you. <clears throat> no, no, oh, no, okay. no, 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 no. Videos that I that I posted on my YouTube talking oh, about him, you. right? Okay. First, right. like saying like, "Hey, so Damaso was freed. This is this guy. This is what he did. This is blah 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 blah. This is what he was going to say." Like debriefing what okay. who it was Damaso, right? And then he, I, I got reached out. And he's like, "I'm reaching out to you, first of all, because you talk a lot of bullshit, but most of that bullshit is not necessarily lies. So I just want to set the record straight for you." And I'm like, okay, I don't, I don't know if that's a compliment or what, mm-hmm. but if you are really who you say you are, let's move to a secure app and turn on your camera. I'm pretty sure that I can recognize your face. So he did. <clears throat> he turned on his camera, and he had this hat on, and he was in selfie mode. And I was like, can you move your hat a bit up, you know, so I can see your face? And I saw his face, and it was him. And I was like, oh, shit, so it's really you. And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, dude, you look older. <laughs> 
<laughs> and he's just laughing. It's like, yeah, you look more f- fucked up too, <laughs> camera. <laughs> so I'm like, thank you, dude. So so yeah, I mean, can you show me your ID, passport, something that yeah. says that has your name? Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah, I mean, I don't have to, but I'll I'll do it for you. So he shows his ID, whatever. And then we kept talking. We well, turned off the camera, kept talking for a while. So I'm like, dude, I'm very interested in an interview with you, but I'm pretty sure that you're reaching out with an agenda, right? Like, what is it? And he was very clear about it. He's mm-hmm. like, I just want to fuck the Chapitos over. So I just want to talk a lot of shit I know about them and how things really went. And yeah, that's, I mean, I'm being transparent on yep. my intentions. Yep. And I'm like, okay, so that those are your intentions. On my intentions... The intent, the um, I don't want to fuck anyone. I don't. I couldn't give a shit about like fucking los chapitos or whatever. I just want to interview with you, and that's the main thing. I'm interesting. Can we agree on the middle ground where I'm when I'm gonna make an interview with you, but I'm not gonna talk shit about these guys, any unproven, unproven shit. And he's like, no, I have proof of what I'm gonna tell you. And okay, so perfect. So we agreed on on meeting, right? In person. In person. Yes. Uh, so I flew to LA. He was not living in LA. He was living somewhere else. So he traveled by land uh, to so LA. You weren't really concerned about meeting with him because he'd already done his present time. He was a free man. Like he, he had no reason to fuck with you. Even though, I'm, uh, I mean, you never know. So yes, you I still mean, never know. Yeah. So I was absolutely yeah. I was I was kind of like concerned about that, but I was like, fuck it, dude. I'll I'll just do it. You know. I flew to LA. He uh, asked me to be in certain hotel to uh, have a whole protocol when I travel to meet people. You know, uh, a whole protocol that I'm, of course, I'm not going to disclose in detail. But there's a whole protocol to. Do you have people that go there for you in advance to scope out the location? Like, no. uh, like a lot of people, like I know presidents when they go and visit places for meetings or presidential candidate candidates they have what's called an advanced team mm-hmm. where they go like if they're meeting in a hotel they'll have a team of guys that like walk through the hotel yeah. talk to people and like no i i i don't like i i work on, on a way more simple you know protocol yeah. mm-hmm. uh p- part of it i can say probably part of it it's just either arriving way earlier day or two days or three days or even a week earlier or a week later you know and say like sorry whatever blah 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 so i i I, yeah, right. That that's part of it. Like, yeah. So so it's, it's a whole protocol I have that has worked for me to make me feel safe. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> even choosing the, I just uh, asked because he he said the place, but I asked to choose my own room, and booked my own things. So I'm like, okay, you you want me to be in this hotel particularly? I'll be there, but let me handle the whole fucking thing of my arrangement of flights, transport, hotel room, all that shit. Because he's like, I can I can put you in that hotel, whatever. I'm like, no, I I don't need you to do that for me. Just set a place, and I'll handle the whole fucking thing, right? So he set the place, set the date, and I so I requested a certain room where I feel safe, where it has like certain you know ways of exit and blah 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 security protocols on on a room. And um, and yeah, I I waited, and he showed up at the agreed time, and and he was very normal. He was like just like a regular dude you meet and say like, hey, what's up? Dude? Are you armed when you go do this? In on the U.S. side of of the border, most of the times I'm not, but sometimes I am. Uh-huh. Sometimes I am in Mexico, no, mm-hmm. but in Mexico, when I feel this is the thing, my. The simplest thing about a security protocol, protocol is that if you feel you're gonna, you have 
a chance to die, like a real chance, like a real threat, just don't fucking go, right? right. So it doesn't worth it. Right. So that's the, that's the simplest thing. It's like, okay, so I feel a real threat. Mm -hmm. I, I, something is off. Mm -hmm. They're asking me to travel to these places, to meet these guys, to blah, 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 blah. Nah, I'll just pass on it. Even if it's... You hear that? Yeah. Do that sound, Steve? It's the coyotes. It's the coyotes. Oh, it's that. Okay, yeah. sorry. Anyway. <laughs> so that's what I do. When I feel like, okay, I might, I might go. Uh, in Mexico, depending on who I'm meeting, if it's like a middleman, a middle range, whatever, yeah. uh, I, I do have a bunch of contacts in Mexico that I just ask them like, hey, can you watch over me? Mm, that's a good, uh, that's they're, a good idea. Yeah, yeah, they're like super, super legit in terms of they, they won't say shit. Right. right, they won't say who I meet, where I meet, nothing. Right. I trust them enough, and they trust me enough. But they are heavily armed but trained people, you know, right? Like good, good, like heavyweight guys. Yeah, like a paramilitary guy or yeah. on this side, and they're like a fucking Navy SEAL or yeah, something. they're super discreet. They're <laughs> yeah. around like regular people, whatever. But right. I'm like, yeah, can you help me out on this one? But if I need them to show up, like you know, like proper geared up or whatever, then I ask them like, yeah, you can show up like geared up and whatever. They will show like, like mm -hmm. basically secure the escorts and right. you know, like that kind of shit. When, especially when, it, when it's a bar, when it's a public bar crowded with people and you know, like a club or whatever, and they, someone wants to meet there for a reason. I ask them to, to go like fully, you know, like, hey, really? Can, yeah. Like, can you help me out? And let's why just... at a bar would you want them to look like that? <clears throat> Because you show you show that you're with people, right? You show you, that you were with security, and so they're basically bodyguards, and you want them to 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 know that you have bodyguards. Because okay. when you when you put into the mix alcohol and shit, mm, right, then things can go mm. off fast. Uh, this that's this, this the other thing. Like I've been reached out recently by a source that he's doing like probably one of the biggest interviews I've ever I could ever uh, do eventually if. But this dude is always wasted dude like shit faced so i'm always trying to let him know like dude okay call me tomorrow when you feel better right because i don't deal with people that are under the influence right. of anything because yeah you need a clear mind and 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 also i need respect you know for like dude I'm, I'm giving you respect i'm a journalist this is my job i'm being a professional we're not friends we're not you know uh, this is not a social gathering mm. this is work for me and i'm I'm taking time from my family, from whatever, my work, whatever, to give you time. And I appreciate you giving me time for this, but I need also respect from your end. You can call me all shit-facing, like, hey, I'm this and that, blah, blah, blah. Even if your info is great, I'll rather pass on it because mm -hmm. that's not the way I work. Right. Pardon this brief interruption, but I want to take a second to talk about our sponsor, Verso. Now, if you've heard this podcast before, chances are you already know how obsessed I am with health and longevity, which is why one of my favorite guests to have on this show is nutritional scientist and neuroscientist, Dr. Dom D'Agostino, who actually introduced me to this stuff. Verso is a company that is dedicated to translating scientific breakthroughs into products that hold the potential to increase longevity. The problem with aging is we accumulate these zombie cells or old damaged cells that linger beyond their useful life. These zombie cells infect other healthy cells, speeding up the aging process, causing things like hair loss, wrinkles, arthritis, cancer, dementia, and everything in the realm of aging. What scientists have realized is that we can manually induce autophagy, meaning the cleanup process of the old zombie cells and replacing them with new ones. Verso's new clean being, which I take every night, is a powerful blend of synolytic molecules that help promote the body's natural cleanup processes like autophagy and apoptosis 
promoting better cellular health, supporting lower inflammation and natural cardioprotective functions, while boosting protection against age-related diseases. The three main ingredients in clean being are spermidine, lutolin, and dehydrocorsetin, which play key roles in the control of gene expression and are essential for cell growth and proliferation. Specifically, when it comes to cardiovascular and cognitive function, skin health, vision, and the immune system. Head on over to ver.so and use the coupon code DANNY, it's spelled D-A-N-N-Y, to save 15% off your entire order, or just go to ver.so forward slash Danny. Back to the show. Damas was very, very serious, right? He was like cleaned, serious. Uh, he agreed How old is time. he? He's uh, 37. So. 37. Oh, oh. Yeah, if, if I would have met with him in the hotel, I would imagine like my first reaction would be like, we got to meet in the lobby or like at the in the restaurant at the hotel or something. This is the thing. I, I requested for a room with a window to the street where I knew he was coming. I asked him to show up, right, a certain time. Well, he asked me to to meet him at a certain time. And I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna meet you upstairs. I'm gonna meet you in this room. But I changed the plan. So I met him on the street, right? When I, when I was looking over the room, I saw a couple of DA agents around. Cause oh, you can tell really? they're like, you know, in cargo pants, these Oakley glasses. <laughs> really? Tell. So they kind of like scouted the place and blah, blah, blah. And then he showed up. He pulled over on a black SUV. So he had the DEA as like an advanced team for himself. I think he didn't have the DEA. I think the DEA was like... Just following him. Yeah, following him. So I'm like, okay, he's moving. Apparently he's going to go into this hotel for some reason. Uh, so boom, they kind of like went and say like, okay, let's, let's wow, see what happens. Bro, you're doing like legitimate spy craft when it's you're preparing for these interviews. It's crazy fucking shit. They, and, and then I saw him arrive. And before he pulled out, I was already in the street, right? I was already out in the street. So I greeted him. He kind of like surprised him. Like I opened his door, he came out and he was like, hey, como estas compadre? Hey dude, how you doing? And I'm like, hey dude, all good. Um, so what time? He's like, hey, you want to jump in and probably have a drive and grab something to eat, whatever, before we're going to. Um, and first I was like, ah, probably not. Not the best idea. But I kind of like felt that he was pushing a bit for it so i was like okay okay so okay I'll, I'll follow through yes let's 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 go so i jumped into the back of his car black car tinted windows who was driving one of his guys i i, I didn't i Did didn't he have a lot of money dude here yeah man like yes like a lot of fucking money yeah like his own driver, full-time driver kind of money. Okay. This guy from uh, Sinaloan accent, young kid. Yeah. I thought he was a family member or something like that. He was like every, like quiet with a bunch of like cash money on his fanny backpack, you know, and a cap driving around. And what? What are you laughing at? <laughs> he had a fanny pack full yeah, of cash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah, bro. Because the, the, <laughs> this guy, Minelik, was not able because of his um, because of the condition, legal condition, he's not able to meet journalists, family members, criminal members, or former criminals, or handle money. Right? Mm. He needs to use a, a a pre-approved debit card where the DEA, you know, allows him to allow him to keep some of his money. But of course what else is going to do so he has a bunch of cash right but he's not handling his other guy mm -hmm. is handling the, the cash what kind of car is he driving 
I can say. I okay. mean, probably, okay. yeah, I can say. And we want, I, I, I do, I can say we're, that we want to have uh, pancakes. It was pancakes. surreal, dude. You're a Waffle House or our, <laughs> yes. our IHOP? Waffle House <laughs> sitting with fucking this former leader of the Sinaloa cartel <laughs> and his henchman or whatever who was, he was, he called him secretary. So he's with his secretary <clears throat> and a fucking Waffle House having wow. blueberry pancakes. <laughs> Well, it wasn't pancakes. Waffle House doesn't have pancakes, I don't think. It's only waffles. waffles. Yes. No fucking way, dude. And, uh, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, yes, I mean, I'll, some other people showed up, I can say, whatever. Uh-huh. And then we went back into the into a hotel room. I was like, so you're ready? Like, do you feel good to go back into the hotel and then start a, an interview? And he was like, yeah. Did you feel pretty good about did you have like build a rapport with him during when you guys were eating yes, waffles? Yes, yes, you yes. Pretty confident. Yeah, dude. Like, what I want, what I want to do with every single source is first that they know that they have my respect, mm-hmm. that I'm not judging, yeah. that I, I'm not, you right. know, anyone to judge whatever they do, whatever they right. want to say. What, what I don't give a shit. Uh, they're fucking humans, so I can I try to find a common and relatable ground, mm-hmm. right? Some something, even if it's a sport or a, a color or music or something we have in common so we can start like doing small talk and, and relate relate to each other right mm-hmm. so we can find common ground right right before going into full a lot of the journalists what they do is they go into full journalist mode and just dump a bunch of questions right, right, right. they're like so how do you start it blah 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 bam, 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 this and that tell me these tell me that tell me boom yeah. I'm not easy on them because I, I questioned Damaso really hard on the accusations of him killing a journalist, probably the last brave journalist in Mexico, Javier Valdez. He was a fucking legend, dude. He was an inspiration for all of us. And he is accused, formally accused, of killing Javier Valdez. Who accused him? The Mexican government. That's, the Mexican government is asking uh, the U.S. government to deport Damaso so he can face jail in Mexico for the killing of Javier Valdez. Hmm. So this is not, not only an issue of cartels, this is a binational political issue between the two countries. <clears throat> Does the Mexican government really care or do you think it's the fucking a proxy cartel within the government trying it's, to get him exactly. whacked? Exactly, that is what it is. That's exactly what it is. Anyways, I question his version of him not killing Javier Valdez and he said it was Los Chapitos. So how long, okay, so let's go, let's do it. Um, so, okay, after, so after you guys had um, breakfast or So we went pancakes, back to the hotel. Back to the hotel. And then what, like, and then we how sat. did it go? Did the guy come with you or did you guys go alone? No, no, we, we came all together. Okay. Up. I, okay. I, I had the room already set up, you know, okay. uh, no personal, uh, like my backpack was literally ready to go right next to the door in case something, you know, whatever. Um, we came up. He sat on a on a chair, and his other dude sat on the other on the other side of looking towards the door. And I literally sat on the floor. It was like you wanna. There was another chair, whatever. No, I'm like I'm feel comfortable sitting on the floor just to make, just to make a statement that I'm cool. You know, I'm not I'm not feeling threatened. So we we can all relax and be cool. And I sat on the floor, and we start I start talking. Sort of like so, dude, like. This is probably the first and last time I'm going to uh, talk to you. So do you have enough time? And it's like, dude, I don't have anything else to do but sit in my fucking house. So by all means. So this interview lasts like for probably 
probably like 12 hours, 11, 12 hours. We kept talking, we ordered food, we kept talking and talking and talking. I first wanted to get out of the fucking room, the whole journalist thing, right? Javier Valdez. So one of my first questions you was like- You started with that. I started with like, how, how do you feel? What are you doing now? What is your, what is your legal situation right now? What is happening with your dad? Is he still behind bars? Are you comfortable saying, openly saying that you are um, co cooperating with the U.S. authorities to go against Los Chapitos? Um, I explained what my plans were to publish, right? It's like, this is not going to be a, bio a biography or some shit like that. I'm going to push back into you, what you say and lay out what I feel is the truth and your impressions. He only said, like, I hope you're not too harsh on me. And I'm like, well, let's see, man. Let's let's see how the text goes. I'm not going to be particularly harsh on you. It's just the way I write. It's 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 I'm trying to be as objective as I can, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, so I want to get uh, read of the the white elephant in the room, mm -hmm. Javier Valdez, and he's like, okay, let me tell you. And I'm like, okay, before you tell me, I, I shouldn't tell you that one of my biggest fears right now is to be sitting across someone who killed a journalist. <laughs> right. Because if you killed a journalist, then you're basically a, a direct threat to me as a journalist as well. So I don't want to be in the middle of that. So if you if you come true and you say the truth and you say, you know what, yes, I, I was involved, I'm not going to be judgy, but I'm probably going to call this interview off and, and just leave, man. I can't do this like that. And if you, even if I feel you're not telling the truth, I also might take everything else you say for untrue, right? So let's get rid of that shit. I'm being honest with you. I'm being clear. I'm risking myself a bit too to be here. I'm I'm being like good to you. So let's let's talk uh, con los huevos, no? Let's let's mm -hmm. talk like with balls. And uh, and yeah, I mean, he started laying out his version that is out on, on the story. He said basically that he wasn't him, that it was Los Chapitos <clears throat> because of the of an interview they the uh, Javier Valdez published with Damaso. Um, he published an interview? Yeah, when they were at war, Damaso reached out to Javier Valdez, to this journalist. And he said like, hey man, I want to give you an exclusive interview with me and my dad telling you what is happening right now in Sinaloa within the Sinaloa cartel. Javier Valdez said, okay, let's do it. He uh, he did an interview with both of them, and he published the interview. And when he was about to publish the interview, Los Chapitos somehow learned that he had interviewed Damaso. So they asked him, like, hey, man, how much money do you want for not to publish that story? He said, this is not a money thing. We're going to run the story. And then he called his uh, the director, the owner of the newspaper, and said, like, hey, I want to buy you that interview. How much money do you guys want? And they say, nope. That we're going to run the story. So they published the story and Los Chapitos sent all of their henchmen to to basically get all the newspaper distributed in the, in the whole state so no one could read that story. So they, they and they burned the whole fucking, yeah. So they, they wow. stopped the, the delivery, pickup trucks, whatever, and then they burned the whole fucking thing. Then they published the story again. Is this verifiable they, they yeah, 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 yeah. everything is everything is, is it's uh it's a it's a verifiable version of, of that happening even the uh, director of the newspaper uh, published uh the, the whole his this version on the website right so before that i mean after that uh they they published the story again on the next 
on the next uh, uh, printed version, right? And they posted it online. That's when they that's when they killed uh, Javier Valdez, right? Uh, but but <clears throat> right after the interview, Javier Valdez also published an OPD calling Damaso a shitty fucking henchman for the Sinaloa cartel. Uh, that he had no decision-making uh, capabilities and he was like dumb and, you know, kind of, kind of like trashing Minilik. Mm. So after that, after they published those couple of stories, he got killed right uh, in front of the newspaper. Damaso says he was killed by Los Chapitos because he, he, he published that interview. But Los Chapitos said it was Damaso because he kind of like insulted him. Mm. What Damaso says is like, imagine if I go killing every guy who who is insulting me. I mean, who's gonna be fucking bloodshed all over? I'm, I can't take I can't take an insult, you know. What does your gut tell you? My gut tell me that is uh that he that he that he was Los Chapitos, man. I mean, it kind of makes sense. It kind of makes sense that that you know what? What I think is what really killed Javier Valdez is. The impunity that is in Mexico. He, a journalist in the U.S. will never face that faith. Even if you're giving an interview here, getting into there, you publish some shit like blah, blah, blah. There, a journalist should never face the questioning on who was, who was the one who killed me. What got him at the end is that he got in the middle of a fucking war of factions. Mm. And that he didn't have no protection by the, the authorities, right? That right. the whole fucking state is run over by these guys. So whoever killed him, whoever of these two factions killed him, they shouldn't have been able to reach out to him in that way, right? To threaten him, to kill him, if if the Mexican government will do his job, right? right? right. So either way, my gut says it was probably them because they, they, they show that they didn't want that story published. Mm -hmm. But I'm not, putting my hands for Damaso because he could easily be Damaso. He had a lot of power. Uh, he, of course, is a man capable of killing people, right? Mm. So I'm not putting my hands to fire for, for his version. Um, this is what he says. I still haven't had a, a an interview with any of those chapitos to hear their version, right? Hopefully one day I can I can bring the other version, their more, version. More journalists die in Mexico than anywhere in the world. Though, than right? anywhere in the world outside of a war zone. Yeah. Outside of what? Ooh, a war zone. A war zone. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So what else did you get out of that interview with him during that 12 hours? <clears throat> so basically, we got rid of that shit and then he started telling me how he became part of the organization, the, his whole uh, dad story, how he grew up and how he didn't want to be part of the cartel. He's like, dude, I wanted to be a pilot. Um, so I wanted to study for for pilot. I started like my, my the school, whatever. But in order to be a pilot in Mexico, you need to go to uh, at the at the end. You need to go to the uh, through the Mexican military to get a permit to fly. Uh, so he's like, okay, I approve all my tests and exams, whatever. Whatever. I showed up to my dad. Uh, it was about eighteen, and he's like, dude, I need my uh, credentials from the Mexican military. I'm going to show up to the military zone here in Tinaloa, whatever, to ask for my card. And he's like, the fuck, you're not going to do that, dude. Like, that's too risky. No, find another fucking thing to do. And he's like, what do you mean? And he's like, dude, you have my, my, my same name. The government is all after me. They're going to be after you or they're going to take you in order to get me. So no, find another thing to do. <laughs> so he's like, what else? And he's like, just set up a business. And he's like, okay. So I started setting up a business 
And then my dad said, like, okay, but you're not going to run that business, right? You're going to have a front man running that business for you. And he's like, no, dude, the whole fucking thing of doing a business is to run a business. He wanted to get his hands dirty. Yeah. And no, he was like, no, dude, like, if you do that, you're risking yourself. You're putting yourself out there too much. They don't. If you want to have a business, I can give you the money, put the business, but have a front man run, run from you, for you. And it's like, nah, it doesn't make sense. He doesn't want to just be an investor. He wants to actually do something. Do something. And then his thought was like, then, then he was like, okay, so then you want me basically to become a fucking trafficker. And he's like, fuck no. And he's like, dude, there's, I, you don't let me do anything. I want to do something. So yeah, let me, let me move some bricks. And he's like, all right, if you want to do that, that's, that's how you. So he gave him a couple of bricks. He, he, told, he told me that he sold the bricks, came back home. And his dad asked him, like, how much money have you made on them? And he's like, uh, I don't know, let's say they, he paid 10000 for the bricks, sold them, came back, how much money you made on it? And he's like, 10000 He's like, what do you mean 10000 10000 on top of the 10000 He's like, no, 10000 And he's like, dude, the whole fucking business is supposed to be made for you to make money, dude. That's how they No one explained yeah. to him how the economics of <laughs> buying and selling works. Exactly, dude. <laughs> So he's like, okay. So then he started learning how to do that shit, right? How to sell bricks and, and how to, yeah. He was uh, eventually in charge of moving large quantities of cocaine and shit in Sinaloa and then handling the money and then blah, blah, blah. And then he like kind of like kept stepping up mm. until the war between the factions uh, broke loose. Um what is Damaso's relation? Does he have a relationship or does he have any communication lines open with El Chapo? No, he said not anymore. He, not anymore. He said he was he was he said like at the beginning I, of course I felt bad, but cuz El Chapo was my godfather and right. when he escaped, we gave him we lent him our houses and we were in charge of his security. So he was around and when they killed El Chapo's son in 2016, I think uh, Edgar. They killed his son? They killed his son, dude. Like, Which one of his sons? Like an Edgar. He was the youngest. Oh, fuck. I didn't even realize that. Edgar Guzman. He was killed uh, allegedly by mistake. The by same, who? By, the, by another guy. By, by, by his same organization. They thought, there was, they thought he was part of the Beltran Leyva's uh, rival faction, the Central Cartel. But it was allegedly his own same organization who killed him by mistake. And, and he was best friends with Damaso. They were they were best friends, like since kids. Um, Damaso says that he's still very heartfelt for what happened. He's like, I was supposed to be with him that night, but I got a call from a girl, so I went into her house, and when I'm taking a shower to go to him, they call me and say like, hey, dude, they killed Edgar. Um, and he's like, dude, that broke my heart. He was my best friend in the fucking world. So whenever I met El Chapo, El Chapo would ask me, like, how was Edgar? Did, what kind of girls he liked? And he, he was, he kind of like replaced Edgar with me. So, mm. <clears throat> so when I got married, when I, when, every birthday and stuff, El Chapo would show up to my parties, but he wouldn't show up to his son's parties, his son's own, own uh, weddings or birthday parties or whatever. Like Ovidio? Like guys? Ovidio, Ivan Archivaldo, Alfredo, he wouldn't show up to, to them but he will show up for Damasos, right? So they started getting jealous. Like, why the fuck are you, uh, is our dad showing up to every single one of your fucking parties? It's not showing up to us. Yeah. Um, so he was, he felt like <clears throat> he was in the head of El Chapo. He was like another kid. But then he's like, 
But I asked him, like, was it hard to testify against El Chapo on his trial? Like, to point him and say, like, yeah, this is the man. And I was like, no, dude. Because at the end, he sent uh, a letter to los, to his sons saying that I'm going to find the fucking rat who's riding on you guys. And, uh, and I'm going to have him killed. So he's like, okay. So he's after me. Um, I'm, I'm just going to go after him. Fuck it. So wow. he went. So yeah, he's like, I don't feel bad about it. Like, fuck it. This is the name of the game. He's, uh, he's either his life or mine. So it's going to be his, right? And, and I'm like, dude, how comfortable you feel telling that you are sharing all the information the U.S. has against Los Chapitos? And he's like, dude, that's, that's, what I'm, that's my fucking plan. That's my goal in life right now, to have him either killed or arrested. And I and it's like he he told me like I swear to you that I'm gonna see the four of them here the three of them here uh, the four of them sorry here in the U S that was before Ovidi was uh, extradited right right <clears throat> and after this interview got published who reached out to you so this is the thing the, the interview got published uh, on on crashoutmedia.com uh, sorry for the advertisement <laughs> this day no, uh, self stack we're managing uh, e, um, Yohan Grillo and myself we're kind of like partnering to publish exclusive stories there and the story went huge right especially in Mexico before quick aside before you published it or before you even interviewed him did you reach out to some of the big like media outlets that you typically work with? Not before interviewing him. Okay. Like, after interviewing him, after I recorded the whole fucking, because I, I recorded the whole interview uh, with proper podcast microphones and shit. Like mm -hmm. I, I got a gear and I have a full, it's not it's not the whole hours, of course. It's uh, it's about a three hours interview. Wow, you edited 12 into three? I didn't record everything. Okay. I Yeah, there was no fucking way I could right. have enough space to record everything, <laughs> right? So I, I did take notes on everything, mm -hmm. on everything, everything. I have like huge notepad on notes. Mm -hmm. and I, But I have three good um, hours of audio of that interview. Um, but then, okay. So <clears throat> I didn't reach out to anyone um, probably after a month after the interview. So I was planning on how how am I going to publish it? Is it worth it? What scenarios I'm go, I'm going to face? What backlash can I get from that? Uh, the legal side of it as well, you know, like the the, the whole fucking thing. So it took mm -hmm. me a month before traveling. I also was dealing with another set of stories, hard reported stories, you know, so complicated. So I need like free space. Um, when I when I have some stories like these, sometimes like that for probably two weeks, I went out of my home to to my parents to live on one of the rooms and to just stay there and think, right? Try to focus and think what I'm about what am I about to do? And is it worth it? And how to package this story and who I'm gonna right. pitch it to. Right. And 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 just dumb the whole fucking thing, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> and then when I had something together, I reached out to uh, to uh, Rolling Stone first. Um they said they were interested. They were like, yeah, fuck yes. We're definitely interested. This is the godson of El Chapo speaking for the first time ever. So this is this is massive. During a hunt for Los Chapitos, right? So this is a great exclusive right. shit. Um, but then they took a fucking week or two weeks to get back at me with, with, uh, with something. I asked them like, okay, so what's the rate and how many words? And you know, like the details, usually you ask after a pitch. Uh, I, 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 do you have a deadline? Whatever. They didn't answer for two full weeks. And they, they got back to me 
uh, with a question saying like how competitive this is and i was like dude if you're asking me that question mm-hmm. then i'm just probably gonna waste my fucking exclusive story on a magazine that it's just gonna put it on the back end of a magazine and it's not gonna <sighs> package it well right i was really disappointed at um at rolling stone because i i I have high regards for that magazine. I mean, it's a great fucking magazine. They publish great fucking stories. But uh, I didn't feel comfortable after that. I was like, nah. They also have another huge story of mine that has been sitting there for over a year. And it's a, and it's a huge, also exclusive shit. And they, this was an assignment they did to me in February. And it's almost a fucking year. And I haven't heard back. Not even about a kill fee. Not even about edits. Nothing. They just let my story sit there and they stopped answer, answering. They did a couple of, like three months ago, they did reach the back. When, no, when I reached with that story, with that pitch, I also asked for that other story. Like, hey, but what happened with that other story? You mm-hmm. were sitting on it. And they're like, no, no, we're going to actually pay you better because this is going to be on the print new and the print magazine. So we're trying to find the right moment right. to publish it. But it's like, yeah, dude, for a freelancer to sit on a fucking story for a year mm-hmm. before and then you get paid 30 days net later, like after publishing it, you're, you're, you can kill journalists like that. You can this kill is the problem years. with these legacy media outlets and, and these big publications. That, that, you know, th- this is the reason for the uprise of independent journalism. And that's why people like you, everyone need, that's watching, needs to go to Luis's channel, subscribe. You guys, you you have Substack, yeah. you have a YouTube channel. Yeah. What else do you have? And and it's uh, my Instagram, which is the and your Instagram. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you have yeah. Patreon or anything? Or um, no, I don't. I don't. Okay. I'm, I'm trying to keep everything on on on, on YouTube and Substack. YouTube you and know? Substack, and yeah. then it'll obviously be linked below. Um, yeah, dude. So yeah, I was really disappointed because that that can kill a f- fucking career. And, and and I was like, dude. I, why do I feel uh, kind of like mistreated by a magazine right. with this information, with this right. fucking story I have in my hands, right. right? I shouldn't feel like that. So I decided just to move it and to pitch it to the guys who I work more regularly for. I, I, I actually have a retainer with them, uh, with Vice News. Oh, yeah. So I posted my story to my editor, uh, but at the moment, Vice was going through the whole bankruptcy thing, so they didn't have the capability to move it into... I was like, these guys are not... When did they go bankrupt? Um, on uh, January this year. Really? I Can think, you find no. that, Steve? I didn't even hear about this. Yeah, I mean, that, I think that's, that's where the whole conversation started. But then, then probably like three, four months ago, mm-hmm. five months ago, they 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 publicly went bankrupt. Uh, so it was a uh, it was uh, oh in May. That's May fifteenth, twenty twenty three. Vice Media Group filed for Chapter Eleven bankruptcy, mm-hmm. protection in the Southern District of Texas. The company's bankruptcy cases are jointly administered at. Whoa, dude! They've been they've been. I remember led. like fucking. Eight years ago, seven years ago, I, you would see articles coming out every month about how Vice is worth upwards of a $2 billion. <laughs> yeah, in invest- Consort- what does that say? Consortium led by Fortress Investment Group for $350 million. Oh, Vice agreed to be inqui- acquired by. Mm-hmm. Uh, according to Vice, the bankruptcy process will strengthen the company and position for. It was basically acquired by the main, uh, the main moneylenders, right? They, they, they were the main investors, so they basically just owned the company. They own it now, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because Rupert Murdoch and Disney, Disney, they all, they all had stocks. They owned. all owned a, uh, a significant portion mm-hmm. of that. Yeah. You met. You actually hung out with Shane Smith. Didn't yeah, you? dude. I started. I started writing for Vice News as a freelance 
10 years ago. So, I mean, I, I met... Uh, I met that's when it was really vice dude yes I mean when it started dude it was it was wild it was they will they, they were they were great at packaging shit and doing stories that you can't publish anywhere so they, they were good but they lacked the proper journalistic ethics and yeah the proper journalistic view of it right like what is news and what is just not news and how to handle a news story right ethically how to handle ethically and professionally well, in the beginning it wasn't news though it wasn't news. it was just like they would go into fucking war zones yeah. or go into some crazy fucking place and just turn their cameras on yeah. and start fucking talking to people yeah and then they'd come up you know like like heavy metal in baghdad yeah. the fucking documentary is insane and 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 um Chirac, yeah. the noisy thing yeah. where they they're, where they're in Chicago and they're fucking in the inner cities of Chicago, like with all the musicians and shit. Like that's fucking insane Dude, what they that, would do. That that was the great fucking thing about Vice. That was news because there were there was like unreported stories, right? And there were they they had we had meetings before reporting on all that shit. Like it was it was like it wasn't there was an editorial thing behind it, but there were not like proper editors and shit back then mm -hmm. when they when they come out with vice news they hired for what i think it's the best of the best in the fucking industry right the best fucking editors the best fucking directors a lot of like great great fucking journalists video journalists mm -hmm. and and you know like they they had like a great fucking team where they put together vice news still to this day dude like i mean they, they've been letting go hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of journalists in in, in vice news sadly mm -hmm. great people uh like like my good friend uh keegan hamilton he's fucking a, a badass man david noriega dude covering latin america he was like great emily green she's like the top fucking reporter when it comes uh to immigration stories mm -hmm. solid fucking people so they're letting everyone go right um And and, and 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 don't get me wrong. I mean, Vice still has like some like of the greatest fucking editors and 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 and, and editorial directors in within within Vice that they're like holding positions even through the whole fucking mess right now. So when I when I pitched this story, Vice was going through the whole thing, right? Mm -hmm. So it was hard to think that they will have the mind to take and properly wrap this story. Right, I was like, I don't know, dude. Like, am I gonna pitch this story and I'm gonna sit this forever, or I'm gonna pitch this story and then they're gonna fucking kick me in the ass because they're bankrupt right now, and I'm not gonna even get paid. I'm just gonna get fired, right. and then I'm gonna feel like shit afterwards. They're really um, honest people, and I really appreciate that about Vice, or, or at least on on my uh, editorial team, like my mm -hmm. editors and shit. So I spoke to uh, to my editor, um, Deb Robinello, uh, about this. And she's like, dude, it's your, I mean, we would love to have your story and we're probably gonna try to make it work and look good, but it's your it's your call, right? So I understand where you're coming from and how you feel about Vice right now, so it's your call. Uh, I decided to to make a statement and say, uh, call Grillo and say like, hey dude, why don't we fucking join forces and publish this on our own, on our own fucking thing. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> on your Softic account, link to my Softic account, yeah. and we'll do uh, an interview. Like you interview me on my YouTube channel about like the behind the scenes of the whole fucking thing of Damaso's uh, story, right? And 
and of course it was like extremely like cool with this like fuck yes dude i'm gonna treat this with respect and and shit uh let's see if we make money out of it um i did i mean of course nothing nothing huge but some Com- is it comparable to what you would get got paid by rolling stone or vice or it, dep- it really depends on the story yeah. but let's say the range for a simple 600 word tapping story right like one of these stories you can tap within an hour you make a couple of calls 600 words mm-hmm. um i'll get between 600 and 800 bucks mm-hmm. per, per one of these stories right um if it's a more complex complicated whatever you can get 2000 2500 uh probably not more than that it's, mm-hmm. it's hard to make right. more than that right, right. so it's, it's kind of shitty you know uh really shitty actually um so yeah basically what i did is like okay so so do you i ask you want like can we get something can i get something similar to this the closest to what i get paid by the industry right now if we go there there's like i'm definitely gonna try we're gonna put yeah. half of the fucking store in the paywall and let's fucking yep. give it a shot i did that but i also said like you know what this story needs to be written in Spanish for a Spanish publication that was my home back then, which is the main or major investigative uh, magazine, journalism magazine in Mexico, which is Proceso. The director and founder of Proceso is the only interview Mayo Zambada has given to someone. He died, uh, Julio Scherer. Um, but he founded this magazine with that kind of like, Report, strong fucking critical reporting, right? And trusted enough by Subcomandante Marcos, presidents, and El Mayo Zambada to give interviews exclusively to Proceso. The story I broke in 2013 about the CIA being involved was uh, my first cover on that magazine, right? Uh, it, was, it was the cover of that magazine. So they invited me to collaborate a lot with Proceso magazine back then when I was, when I, like 10 years ago, probably 15 years ago. So I was like, fuck it. You know what? I love that those dudes, they're having a bad time. They're firing everyone. They're losing money by the minute. They're about to implode. So probably this is going to be my last chance to feel again that I'm contributing to that fucking magazine, you know? Mm -hmm. So I called the editor. He was super fucking excited. He was like, no, dude, wait, do you have proof of this? I was like, I have the audios, I have photos, I have exclusive photos, I have photos with him. And he was like, Sadly, dude, I don't think we have enough money to pay you for something like this. We're going through shitty fucking years right now. We're actually about to close the print magazine. And I was like, how much can you pay? And he's like, we can probably, let's probably pay a thousand bucks. Let's fucking do it. Send me me the money, send me a wife, and I'll see the story. And he's like, fuck yes, let's do it. And it, they treat the story with a lot of respect, as well as uh, Grillo. Grillo uh, uh, with Grillo, we, I published the story in English and in Spanish. What with Proceso, right? Okay. Grillo treated the story with the utmost respect. You know, he really packaged it well. He he served as my editor for this one, so it was great working with Grillo. And I was like, dude, we might be up to something here. Dude. Mm-hmm. Like we breaking exclusives in English and in Spanish as well exclusive photos exclusive footage and then wrapping it with social you know with a youtube interview behind the scenes that kind of shit so that's kind of like what we're trying to do right now and um and after what got published first the first thing is um i got a call 
by Damaso's people. That was the that shit's cool stuff. <sighs> Are you advertising this shit? Uh, yeah, we I do it on the podcast. I get everyone to do it. It's like a, it's like a become a gag now. Oh shit, dude! <laughs> Every time. <laughs> <laughs> So I get a call by his people telling me that- By whose people? By Damasos, the okay. Leaks people. Okay. Saying like, hey dude, um, so we might have a problem here. Damaso was not allowed to talk to the press, right? And he might get deported because of this interview. And I was like, dude, but this is probably something you knew, right? And he's like, no, all good. I'm just letting you know what's a- this is after the article. After out. the article out, because he wouldn't. He, I think probably Damaso kind of like knew that it was gonna go big, mm -hmm. but he probably didn't know that it was right. gonna be that big, right? Right. Because um, of course it it made the Mexican government to push back again for his extradition back to Mexico, right? Uh, AKA the cartel. Exactly. He, I left a lot of the interview. Out a lot of the things he set out. Everything I couldn't get approved of, and that wasn't first things he actually lived through, I left it out. He talked a lot of shit about Los Chapitos, a lot of like shit about El Chapo, personal shit. Really? Crazy stuff. But I, again, I'm not in the middle of that war. That's not my war to fight, right? So right. why would I publish shit like that, that it's unproved, right? Um, so I left all that out on purpose and I made a disclaimer about the Javier Valdez version, right? I I published the uh version that that his colleagues and family members uh said. They the, the his colleagues and family members, his wife and kids, they are sure that it it was him, right? So I published that thing. I published like okay, so his family They're sure it was they're sure it was Minelik, right? And the authorities, whatever. Although he says this I, yeah, anyways, um, so that was that. Um, and um, and then after that, Los Chapitos, through one of their cousin, which is another wild fucking story, uh, reached out to me by another Guzman, uh, a man who, I can't say his name right now, probably in the future, but he's supposed to be dead. He was... They allegedly killed him. He, he made the news. Like, they killed him. They killed this guy. And he's like, nope, I'm actually alive. I mean, I'm injured, right? But I'm alive. And I was like, dude, I mean, again, the vetting process, like, turn on your camera, blah, 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 blah. You did all this with all him? All this with him. And he was, I, a, he was a Guzman. Yeah, he's the cousin of, of Los Chapitos. Wow. And he's like, the first thing he told me was this. He's like... And I'm gonna I'm gonna lay it out in Spanish and then I'm gonna translate. Okay. So like, compa, yo sé que todos tenemos un precio. ¿Cuál es el suyo por entregarme aquella rata? It's like, dude, I know every one of us has a price. What's your price to let me know the whereabouts of that fucking rat? Right? They wanted they wanted to find Damaso. Dude, I saw that fucking message for days. Just. No, it was a message request. I didn't open that. So I was just like, shit, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Is it real? Is it not real? Is this a threat? Or is this just like a friendly? How do you answer this fucking message? If I answer, I might be untangled 
in something I don't want to be in the middle of. Even if I had the location of that muscle, I'm not sure I want to share that shit, right? Mm -hmm. But I don't want to get killed for it also. Right, you know? right. <clears throat> the thing is, I don't have it. So what? I mean, if I say I don't have it, they're not going to believe me, right? Because they might think, of course you fucking have it. But I don't. Right. So I was like, and so I sat on it for days. Um, I had to go to Mexico to give a conference about what we face as journalists, right? Uh, I, I'm trying to do more of that, more like public speaking for college. This was for a group of attorneys from Canada that they were trying to find inspiration into how can they keep being uh, working uh, in a in a world where there is a cancel like strong cancel culture, right? Without being afraid of speaking of of using their right to free speech, right? So I was like, dude, if if I get threats, if I my life is, has been threatened several fucking times, you can do this too. You're you're only facing cancellation. You're not facing, you know, death threats. Right. So that's basically the the whole the whole thing I do when I go and say like talk public speaking. Um. And then I went, they had, they had a dinner, but I, I didn't feel like going to a dinner. I was like, no, I need to go back to my room and think and sit about, like, what am I going to answer? To this DM that you to haven't even opened. Yeah, exactly. So I opened it and I replied with a, with a lot of respect. This was after, of course, like betting this guy, right? Like I asked him like to move to a, to move to a. Um, oh, so you. So, <clears throat> so you, I opened the, so he sent me this message saying like, hey, Luis, uh -huh. I'm this and that. So I'm like, okay. Ah, okay, got it. Uh, send him my my secured app, mm -hmm. and then he moved there, and then he sent that message. Mm. But it was a message request. So I was just, okay, shit. If this is real, I might be into something, in the middle of something that I don't want to be. Anyways, at the end, I, I just replied, you know what, man, like, uh, I'm going to give you the, the respect I give to everyone. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest with you. If I were to do my job for money, I will have. I, I'm I'm doing a shitty job, right? Because <laughs> I'm mm -hmm. not doing it for money. Right. I'm I'm a, I'm a broadcast journalist trying to make a living, enjoying what I do because I enjoy doing what I do. Um, thanks for your offering. Even if I had his location, I probably wouldn't share it, and I hope you understand it, right? Mm. Uh, but I understand that every story has two versions if you and your family have a different version my ears are absolutely open to actually hear you and tell your side of the story um and that's it and he was really respectful he was like dude i just want to let you know that that fucking right is a murderer as well and you're not dealing with a good man as he's trying to clean up his name whatever and i'm like i completely understand what you say i'm not trying to clean up his name mm-hmm um, so whenever you feel good to talk about it, like in me doing an interview with you, your story and your side of things, of your family, whatever, if Ivan or Alfredo want to talk, I'm all ears. Um, and he's like, okay, let me, let me get back to you on that. And, uh, thanks for your, for your honesty. And wow, that was it. And that's where I got my Rolex and my Bentley outside. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I fucking knew it. <laughs> yeah, like rolling on a fucking medley. <laughs> oh. 
That's why I had to pick you up at the private airport yeah, instead exactly. of the I'm fucking not, Tampa International. No fucking flying United you knew anymore, dude. Was fishy, man. <laughs> Good lord. Yeah. How much money do you think they have? I mean, they they do have more than enough money, you know. Uh, they have billions of dollars. Yeah, yeah, easily, dude. Like, I mean, if you think about the fact that they're laundering money through major, major. Uh, artists in the u.s uh you, you know that they have a lot of money what do you mean laundering money through major artists through events i mean i i can't i can't say because i i'm not the type that says just things out of saying i'm working on something okay but they launder money they launder money through major artists well, like music musical artists musical artists um um sportsmen you know they they do have a whole fucking machinery on, on laundering money. And we're talking millions and millions of, of dollars of money. Oh, so they're acting like record labels. And basically, I'm guessing this is how they could do it, but they could act like a record label and they could give a musician or a singer a ton of money in advance to produce a record and pay for their tour, pay for everything, events, events marketing, all this stuff. You could dump. You could dump millions of dollars into that mm -hmm. to build up an artist. <clears throat> and free cocaine. And free cocaine. And free coke, yeah. Oh. Best quality. Whoa. That's a great fucking way to launder money. Yeah, dude. And that's just part of it. So yeah, I mean when you when you think about that, like it's okay, so it's millions of fucking dollars. It's not like you put a hundred thousand dollars to produce something like that, you know. Right. Um, so yeah, that was that was that. The conversation ended right there. And and I'm still, you know, trying to see if there's something something else to be to like hopefully a good interview with one of these guys i yeah. mean i haven't heard of them because uh, uh, after that a lot of shit happened right like uh they they extradited a video yeah so last time you were here you we basically i think it was right after you went and went through a video's house after it was raided yeah by the military i believe yeah. and it was all shot up looted they stole all his watches yeah. all of his clothing and yeah. everything and it was it was insane and he had still been in custody by the Mexican government when you were in his house. Yes. But since then, I don't know how long ago it was, a couple months ago, he got extradited. Extradited, yes. Extradited, yes. I mean, it was, it, was, it was due, right? And you met with his lawyer that day. You were yes. at his house, right? Yes, 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 yes. I met, I met with, uh, with uh, two of his attorneys and his mom. Uh, they were pretty pissed, right, about journalists mm -hmm. being there, trying to go into that house. Um, but anyways, I... I think I face I face a lot of like backlash, a lot of like uh, shitty comments on that video I have on YouTube from a lot of like fanboys, right? That they feel they they are part of whatever, and they're still fucking fanboys of of, of, of El Chapo and say like, really? oh, that was disrespectful. I hope you get get fucking popped for doing that. If you come into my house like that, I will definitely kill you, whatever. And it's like, dude, this is a house of a criminal that was doing a lot of crazy fucking shit, but he's behind bars, and this is. About my point of view of public interest yeah, of what yeah. happened, not only for the sake of what happened to that town, but probably for the sake of also what did the military did during that operation that was illegal. Like yeah, they fucking looted his house. Right? So it's like, dude, I'm pretty sure that you fucking fanboys are the most Idiots. upset about this. And probably the family was like, okay, this is proven off as well that they fucking looted the fucking house and they shot a place where there were kids inside. Right. Right? 
It's about the truth. I'm not siding with the Mexican military. I'm you not siding with the criminals. You They pulled up in fucking Hummers and shit. Shot yeah. up a whole town. Exactly. Killed dude. innocent people. Exactly, dude. I mean, wrongdoing by the Mexican government, wrongdoing by these cartel members. In the fucking middle, it's a, a town of innocent people, old men, and two kids that are daughters of a criminal, but they, they, they didn't willingly, you know, were, were there. Right, they could right. probably be killed. They could have been way more surgical, right, and doing that. It was and now again. This is a criminal, and that's the way he makes his money to buy these cars, Rolex watches, whatever. Mm-hmm. That 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 gives no reason for an authority to go and fucking loot his house and stole everything, right? Right. steal everything, right? right? It's wrongdoing all over. It's wrongdoing all over, and that's mm-hmm. that. That's my main fucking goal on what I do. People say like, okay, you're siding with the Mexican government. And then people say, okay, you're siding with fucking cartels. And when I have like uh, sources on both sides of, of the spectrum, sometimes I get reached by by elite fucking Mexican military, you know, that are my sources. And they're like, dude, why are you siding with these fucking shit, shit people? And I'm like, what do you mean? Your fucking story, man, is making us look ugly, is making us look like, like we don't have enough you know, power or brains to do an operation. So you were siding with with these fucking rats. And I'm like, dude, no, don't get me wrong. What your colleagues did was also wrong. And then I get calls by these guys saying like, hey, dude, why the fuck would you do that? Like, uh, are you, I mean, I know you work for the Mexican government, the U.S. government, and you were siding with them because that's what a journalist does. I'm like, fuck no, dude. I'm not siding with anyone. Who is saying this? Cartel people. You know, some of my sources in Sinaloa. You have people like like high up Mexican military reaching out to you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I, I have I have really strong sources also on on the Mexican military. Like, in, really? In, in, How high are we talking? How high up? Uh, high up enough to let me know several hours before Ovidio was extradited that he was going to be extradited. Whoa! And that was. That was secret even for them, but because they were there, they just tell, they didn't tell them that it was a video, right? They tell them, hey, we're going to extradite a person. We need, to, I need you guys to show up uh, this prison, blah, 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 take out this guy, boom, take him out you know, within an hour. They went and they were like, oh shit, the guy they're going to fucking extradite is Ovidio Guzman. And one of them uh, is my source, right? One of, one of these, several of these guys are my sources. And so they, I, I heard rumors. I heard rumors that there was movement from lower tier people in the military. It's like, hey, dude, there is unusual movement on this prison. They're taking out someone. And I was like, hmm, let me ask these other guys who are higher up. Hey, dude, I'm hearing of movement on this prison. Do you know anything that's happening? It's like, dude, yes. Let me reach back to you in an hour. Okay, boom. They reach back. So I like, okay, now that this person is in the air heading towards the US, I can tell you. It's Ovidio Guzman. So boom, I tweeted it first. Oh, like boom, Obito Guzman got extradited. That was hours before it was like making headlines or whatever. Um, and then when he arrived in the U.S., I also have good sourcing in the U.S. on law enforcement, and they send me the first picture of Obito with the with the orange jumpsuit, right? Uh, they they uh, a DA a former DA agent published on his Twitter the photo of Obito sitting on the jet on his way to the U.S. And then a couple of hours later, these other source I have in the U.S., uh, he sent me the photo of a video, uh, his mugshot, basically, right? He leaked his uh, orange jumpsuit. You have it on the, you have the photos I sent you. Oh, Stephen has it. 
on his uh, orange um, jumpsuit. That one. Yes. I had to put a watermark because he went huge on Twitter. Look at the jaw on that guy. Yeah, dude. He's <laughs> got a crim- dude. the crimson chin. <clears throat> and look at his size, dude. Like, he's, I don't know if he's, there's a lot of people saying like he wasn't scared. He's probably just dealing with drugs or whatever. Um, he he's on, on. He looks high on coke. I mean, he is on uh, anxiety medication, so I don't know what that is. He is the, depression and anxiety. He's he's getting medicated for that. Oh wow! Where where is he in the U.S.? In Chicago, Chicago, Chicago UMC, one of the worst. Not because of the tight tight security, or whatever, but because of the treatment they get. Mm. He is on the eleventh floor all by himself, and the water either comes out freezing cold in chicago during winter or hot enough to burn to, to to burn your skin and he doesn't have any yeah like sun time no windows uh, it's a shitty fucking place it's a shitty fucking place so did you get the story from his lawyer on how they got to extradite him like did was was there any pushback from the mexican government side to the u.s state department on the extradition or was this in was the u.s and the mexico and the mexican government working together to get him extradited yeah basically just fighting the lawyer yeah exactly but uh, the the attorneys had set a bunch of what we call in mexico amparos right like uh, legal resources to stop his extradition one after another after another after another so legally lawfully mm-hmm. both governments will have to will have to go and dismiss one by one of these legal resources, right? It will take years, 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 years. And still he will have a lot of other resources to stay in Mexico. Both governments basically said, fuck the law, let's get this fucker out of it. Mm-hmm. And they didn't, again, I'm not siding with anyone. Mm-hmm. This is just the, the way things are. The Mexican U.S. government broke the law in order to extradite. He was illegally, unlawfully extradited to the U.S. He had resources and not resources in place to stay in Mexico to avoid extradition. You can't expedite an extradition of a of a Mexican like that, um, especially when you have a lot of like legal resources in place. The thing is, the U.S. Uh, legal whatever agencies are pretty smart so yeah. right now even Ivan Archivaldo he's not arrested but he has an extradition order in place right who uh, the oldest of the chapitos okay. Ivan Archivaldo Guzman mm-hmm. he has an extradition order even even though he's not arrested but that extradition order is in place in the US so when he gets arrested that order enters before he can set up a legal a legal resource right that's what happened with Ovidio he had an extradition order uh, since 2019 that was still in place, just got to be renewed every, I don't know, months or years, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. But the U.S. has just to ratify, right? Like renew the extradition request. Boom, boom, boom. So when he gets arrested, even if he starts a legal resource, they're like, hey, I have a legal resource. Yeah, but the extradition is prior to that legal resource. He should still have a lot of like other legal resources, like he had. Even one of his legal resources was saying that he, that wasn't him. One of his legal resources, he stood up before a judge in Mexico, a federal judge, to say, "Ovidio." Yes, they asked him directly, "Are you Ovidio Guzman?" Yes. "Are you Ovidio Guzman Lopez?" Yes. "Are you the person on this photo?" No. "Are you the person 
of da 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 this address. No. Are you the son of uh, Joaquin Guzman Loera? No. So you're not Ovidio? Yes. It was legal resource to say like, yes, I am Ovidio Guzman Lopez. Yeah. I have no clue who Guzman is. Uh, Joaquin El Chapo Guzman, I have no clue who that is. Uh, and I'm not the person you're looking for, right? That was a legal resource. What is the government's, does the government, does the U.S. have a a plan in place for all these extra, why do they want to extradite these people to the U.S.? And why aren't they happy with them just sitting in prison in Mexico? I think because, first of all, the, um, the alleged damage they've done to the U.S. by trafficking drugs and that the target country was the U.S. It was harmful for the U.S., right? Mexico is just a tra transition country when it comes to drug trafficking charges, right? So that is why most of them are extradited into the U.S. If the traffic or the crimes will be the other way around, they will have to be in Mexico first. For starters, right? For starters, the crime is committed against the U.S. Because mm -hmm. the drugs are being trafficked into the U.S., right, right. not trafficked into Mexico. Mm -hmm. Second of all, uh, the fact that uh, the Mexican authorities didn't have any charges against most of them, they, 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 they don't hold charges against many of these guys because they haven't set up a proper uh, paperwork, a proper investigation by, by Mexican prosecutors. Mm -hmm makes them basically to say, well, we don't have charges in Mexico. We only have an extradition order to face justice in the U.S. But like, or other friend of Plaga, mm -hmm. he had no charges in Mexico. Uh, El Nini had no charges in Mexico. All his charges are in the U.S. But when you look for his criminal charges in Mexico, there is none, not a single one. It's fucking wild. Where is El Nini right now? He is in Mexico City. Uh, sitting in a prison. Does he have an extradition? He has an extradition order. Yes, he's definitely most definitely going to be extradited as well, pretty soon. Dude, it's just so, it's so bizarre. It, you know, it's even just looking at the war on drugs and what what the plan was there. Like extraditing these people, that's crazy. They don't understand what's going to happen when they get extradited. They, I mean, do or do they? Do they see that? Look, these. These cartels are just going to be broken down into smaller factions and become more violent. Yeah, exactly. Like, let's think about, like, think, let's uh, talk about, like, the Sinaloa cartel, right? Like, let's say they nav all of the chapitos. They right. dismember the whole, the whole faction. It becomes a power vacuum. There's a power vacuum. And not only that, who's, who's going to be the next one up? Right. Who's going to be the next target? Right. It's immediately and automatically El Mayo, right? He's the only one left on that faction, on the Sinaloa cartel. And he's the one that nobody talks about. He's never been arrested. He's about 80 years old now, diabetic, and he's out there. All of his sons, but one, have been arrested in the U.S. All of them except one? And How many sons? Are, I think four. El Mayito Gordo, este, Serafín, and Vicentillo, three. He has four. Three of them have been arrested and free now. Free man in the U.S. And so the one son that is still living in Mexico is running the organization. El Mayito Flaco. El Mayito Flaco. Mm -hmm. He's the only one. He's the only one still on the loose. Shadowia, his dad, his dad. There's only 
probably two available photos of him. Uh, no, it's actually one and very old photo of him mm-hmm. that was uh, published by the DA on his warrant. Mm-hmm. Um, no one knows where he is. I mean, but he's basically he's handling the the operation with his dad. And didn't you break that story about him getting into how he got into the Sinaloa cartel with <clears throat> he was friends with somebody in the cia or something or he he got married to yeah. a girl whose brother was in the cia oh yeah i i did a i did a story that is on my youtube channel explaining the p- probable possible connection with the mayo sambada and the cia yeah uh his uh oldest sister got married to this guy called uh i should have forgot his name but he's a cuban mm-hmm and he started doing intelligence for the CIA during the Cuban Revolution. Mm-hmm. So he got papers to be legally in the U.S. And when he traveled to the U.S., he started trafficking shit tons of drugs through Florida, actually. Oh, and then he moved to Las Vegas, where he became even a blo- bigger trafficker there. And then he got arrested twice for drugs trafficking because he was being just too flashy in Las Vegas, mm-hmm. right? And then he moved to L.A., and in LA, he was like looking for a new source, someone who can source him uh, first uh, weed and then cocaine. So he traveled to Sinaloa to meet with people sourcing, like say, okay, I want to find who could source, help me out source mm-hmm. drugs to the US. And in the meantime, he met Modesta Zambada, the oldest sister of El Mayo, and who I think, in my opinion, if you ask me, she's the real real deal behind the Sinaloa cartel. She's the real one behind the organization and no one talks about her. Because he's a lady and Mexico is so machista, dude. Like, Mexico's like, no, there's no fucking way LA is gonna be behind the cartel. Dude, she's the oldest. She's the one who met this trafficker with ties to the CIA first. El Mayo was like, what, 11, 12 years old? Uh So we're gonna believe that a 12-year-old kid started this emporium? She started it, dude, along with this guy. And then they brought El Mayo. And then El Mayo brought his brother, El Rey Zambada, who's free also right now. He was also arrested, extradited, and he's a free man. He's now a corrido singer in the streets of L.A. All of the Zambadas, dude, but El Mayo, Modesta, and El Mayito Flaco, all of them are free men, have been arrested, complied, cooperated, and are free in the U.S. Didn't the son write some crazy fucking book? Yes, you were telling me about it last time you were here. It was like at the cover of it. It's like wow. Yeah, it uh, it is a it is a book written by journalist uh, Anabel Hernandez, mm. um, and it's called the uh, El Traidor, the traitor, the traitor, and it's an autobiography, like saying laying out his whole fucking story of wow. Vicente Zambada, Niebla. I showed you photos uh, of his arrest. He's like this handsome, yeah, you know. And uh-huh. and I'll, I'll next, I'll next publish a couple of exclusive photos of of Vicente that I caught. Now, um, <clears throat> so El El Nini is arrested. He's in Mexico City. Mm-hmm. And what about El Plaga? And El Plaga. Well, El Plaga is. And for people who don't know who El Plaga is. Yeah. So El Plaga is basically he's not a head of the cartel. He's a henchman. He's the He's basically the equivalent of El Nini 
for a former Sinaloa cartel faction called Los Rusos, the Russians. The Russians. And Be and El Nini was basically in charge of the Sicarios, right? Yeah, yeah. He was in charge of the killers, of the henchmen. Exactly. Okay. Of, of the whole security for Los Chapitos, right? Mm -hmm. He was the security hat for, for, for Los Chapitos. And the Plaga is the security hat for Los Rusos. Right. Los Rusos used to work for El Mayo Zambada not long ago. They were the most loyal people for El Mayo because El Russo is a dude that has been out for a while, dude. He's, since he was like 17, he's a, he's a fucking murderer and really? he knows how to traffic drugs, how to move around. So El Mayo trusted him a lot, trusted El Russo a lot. Uh, short story long, I mean, long story short, <laughs> long story short, El Russo uh got into an argument with los chapitos um, everybody fucking hate los chapitos too like every other single faction they hate on them why do you think that is probably because because they're the inheritance of el young, chapo young, and they're young yeah i mean yeah it's probably part of that you know yeah um rich kids so this guy started fighting with the, with los chapitos el mayo gets in the middle and say like hey dudes like this is not good for any one of us so he asks el russo to go to the border of Mexico with the U.S. to Mexicali, right? Right across Calexico, California. Mm -hmm. He's like, okay, that's going to be your turf. That's That's been the turf of mine forever. That's going to be your turf. Get there. Get your men over there. Don't come back to Sinaloa so we can avoid, you know, infighting. So he he did. He left. He promised El Russo that he's going to take care of his properties, of his ranch, his houses, all that stuff. So the, the Chapitos aren't going to touch your shit, right? Because we're good now. So he's like, okay. And then two years after, or years, or a year after, Los Chapitos went into one of his ranch and started burning his properties, taking his cars, whatever. So El Russo is like, no, you want to fuck it. I'm going to go back down there. And they started this massive fighting that was all over the news. It lasted like, they kept fighting for over like three weeks. Massive shootouts, a lot of killings. Even the Mexican Marine was involved. Allegedly, per what El Plaga told me, the Mexican Marine was operating on behalf of Los Chapitos. That's what he says. Uh, and so El Mayo kind of like got angry at El Russo and said like, dude, I asked you to never come back, especially not to fight. He's mm -hmm. like, yeah, but you made me a promise and you couldn't comply. So fuck it. I'm not going to leave my fucking ranch and properties to be taken over these guys, by these guys. So El Mayo decided to not back him up anymore. So he's like, okay, I'm not going to fight against you, but I'm not going to back you up anymore. So mm -hmm. we don't work together. That happened probably last year. So he became an independent, okay. right? Former Sinaloa cartel. And they operate hugely in Mexicali, San Luis Rio, Colorado, uh, across California, part of Arizona. And, uh, and, 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 and yeah, and then, the, and then El Plaga reached out. <laughs> I had reached out. El Plaga, he reached out. He, the, the thing is, El Plaga has a huge following on Instagram. He has this massive account where he posts a lot of like his, Rolex watches. Do you know his username? We could pull it up. <clears throat> I don't want to. I don't want to oh, okay. publicize his. Okay. You know, because I mean, we don't want to give him any clout. Yeah, exactly. Dude. Okay. Like they, they all are, are, are all up for it, right? And they, they love this. They, they, they love, love the it. attention. They will fucking right. love it, and I'm not. I'm not gonna give it. <clears throat> okay. Up so, anyways, he has this huge following mm -hmm. on Instagram. He posts his. He posts his luxury cars, watches, traveling guns. guns. He even posted another narco monkey. You know, he had oh, with, a, no. with a scar. He had a scar, and a narco monkey on top of it. And so, like, oh yeah, I saw the photo. I saw that photo in the uh, in the article. In the article, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, so I reached out like two years ago to him to see if he wanted to give me an interview because I was about to go to Mexicali and all that area. Uh, he never replied. And and then probably a month after the interview with Damaso came out, he reached out. Uh-huh. And he's like, hey, dude, what's up? And I'm like, boom, again, uh, secure app. Reach, reach out to me on this one. So he reached out, vetted him. He was, was on camera asking for his ID, show his ID. He was driving a pickup truck, and he kind of like stopped in the middle of the night. Um, How old is this guy? Dude, he's like 24, 26. <laughs> like he's young, man. And he's the head of a huge army. Um, so we talked about a lot of uh, like chapitos. He asked me like, "Hey, dude, did you really meet with uh, with Amazon?" And I was like, "Yeah, dude, yeah, yeah." And he's like, "Well, I don't like those kind of guys, but an enemy of my enemy is my friend." So like, okay, it's like, kind of get a hold of him and like, dude, I don't have any contact, no way to contact him. He contacted me, and then lost connection with him right he, 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 I don't have any means to, mm-hmm. to get back to him right um, so he's like oh, okay dude so I'll, I'll good so what's up and I'm like dude can you give me a proper interview he's like oh, let's do it in person <clears throat> I wanted to I wanted it to be in person but he's like dude I can't promise you that I'm gonna be around cause my boss uh, he calls El Jefe R El Russo uh, he moves me around a lot so I can't promise you that that I can be you know, I was like, okay, so let's do a video call, an interview, and if eventually uh, you have the time, I'll travel and meet you in person. And like by any means. So he laid out all this story about the fight, the infighting between the Chapitos and the Russo. He told me about he was two years ago. He was arrested because he um, he got into a gunfight with Mexican state police officers and they killed one of his henchmen when it was his right hand. El, or something like that mm-hmm. they, they killed him and they arrested him and there's this mugshot that you have also on, on the files where he's uh, where he's uh, he, that, that's his Mexican mugshot and he's all beaten up with a with a. you can see his, that's El Plaga yeah that's El Plaga <clears throat> look at that haircut yeah dude the cop can you punch in on that a little bit Steve and you have his mouth all oh shit he got beat up huh really beat up dude and uh, his nose all broke. Look at that Louis Vuitton jacket. <laughs> he was. Uh, he told me that they were partying at a club in Mexicali, and then they they went out of the club like at seven in the morning. They were driving back to his whatever, and they got stopped by state police officers. And he's like, his friend was like, "Don't fucking stop, dude. Fuck him." He's like, "No, dude. I don't want to start anything." I mean, but he's like, "But why are they stopping us if they know who you are, right. and who we work for?" And he's like, I don't know, let's just stop and see what's up. Yeah. So he's like, when I pull over, this guy, El Tio, whatever, jumps out of the vehicle with his fucking gun and starts shooting at the police. <sighs> and then these guys start shooting as well. And there's a, a couple of killings. Uh, and then they killed El Tio. He tried to run, got arrested, got beat up. And allegedly, he was moved to a maximum security prison and whatever. When he called me, I was like, "Dude, what? Are you supposed to be behind bars?" I was like, "Dude, I was free to the uh, three days after. Like, El KFR negotiated for me, and they let me out." And I'm like, "Dude, are you fucking sure?" Yeah, hundred percent. Whatever. I vetted that info also through other sources and other means, and he was fucking out. He was out, and I was like, "Okay, so wow. this guy's really out." So when I published this story, I faced 
hard pushback by Mexican government saying no, he is behind bars. I the um, chief of police of Baja California, she told me like I personally put him on a plane and sent him. She out told to, you this. Yeah, I put him out to Oaxaca, so he's behind bars. I know for sure. And I'm like, well, check again because he's out. I just Facetimed him. Yeah. He's driving his truck yeah. down it's the street. Like, I don't know who you talk to, but he's behind bars. That's for sure. So then he had to show up for um, for a hearing. He didn't show up, and the federal church declared non-present. They couldn't find him, and I was like, of course they couldn't fucking find him because he's out. Right. That's proof that he's out. And they're like, no. And then they put out a presser saying that my story was bullshit. And then they were they were gonna publish his photo uh, behind bars. So like, now we have him, and we're gonna publish his photo. Did they publish it? Oh, of course not, dude. They haven't said anything after that. They they just didn't wanna be you know left like fucking idiots. So he's just it's just like uh, Caro Quintero. Yeah. After he got arrested, mm-hmm. he's like, you fuckers. I'll be fucking out of here in 24 hours. Mm-hmm. And he's out. He's out, dude. And um, there is a search um, a search website where you can search for people arrested. So when you look for El Nini, it says where he was arrested, by who, at what time, mm-hmm. and who is responsible for his uh, arrest, whatever, and where is he right now. Right. You know, El Ovidio as well. For right. this guy, it only says arrested, no time, no place, no agency responsible for his arrest, nowhere to be found. He's not so in the system. Why do you think he was able to get out, but not El Nini? Aren't they kind of like the same? Don't they have the same kind of power? In their organization, they have the kind of like same power, but their their organizations are definitely not at not the same level. No? The Chapitos faction, I mean, Los Rusos are by far not even close to what Los Chapitos are right now. For right, so you would think El Nini would be able to get out easier than him, right? Not really, because when you are requested, when you are looked after the U.S. government, especially oh, for those charges, I see what you're saying. Right, it's too hot. Yeah, they, they arrested another another. They guy. don't have as much heat on them exactly. as El Chapito yeah, do. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, dude, that was that was another uh, cool interview published again with Grillo with Ioan Grillo. A crash out it's crazy the mindset of kids like this this 24 year old kid and he thinks it's cool to be called the plague dude yes i mean this is the thing on the interview i asked him like why why did they call you why do they call you the plague la plaga el plaga and he's like because i leave no one alive like a plague i kill everyone when i go into fight there's no one left alive and that's why I got the uh, trust of my GFR because he knows that I don't back up and I kill and I'm, yeah. So I was like, shit, dude. And I was like, what made you interested in this shit? And he's like, the uh, narco corridos, dude. Like, there's Mexican corridos. This is like, when I was growing up, there was this group, the most elite sicario group for El Mayo Zambada, Los Antrax. Los what? Anthrax. Los like, Anthrax. Uh-huh, like the Anthrax. Mm-hmm. They were huge, dude. I mean, El Chino Anthrax has this mythical story because he was arrested in whole, in Netherlands when he was arrested for being part of the Anthrax, right? He was put in jail in the U.S., whatever. Before that, he was the first, one of the first sicarios that was super flashy and huge on socials, right? He was post watches, Lambos, whatever. He even post, posted a, a photo with Paris Hilton. There is a photo of Paris Hilton with El Chino Anthrax, dude, the head of Sicarios for El Mayo Zambada. Like, he was huge. Um, and he was arrested. 
he started cooperating. He was in a halfway house, and then he vanished. And then his body appeared into like shot into pieces in Sinaloa. Some say he was kidnapped by the by the same organization. Some others say he escaped, went back. Hell, Mario said like, "Now nah, you're a snitch." Cut him into pieces. So that was the story of uh, so 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 he, these anthrax group because they were fucking elite and flashy as fuck. A lot of people started like making corridos about them. So El Plaga got enticed by the corridos. He was like, "Dude, I want to be an anthrax." So he met someone in Tijuana because these guys from Tijuana. He met someone in Tijuana that had connections in Sinaloa. He went to travel to Sinaloa, introduced himself to these guys, to one of these Sinaloa cartel members. That's where he met El Nini. They were, they were friends before because they, oh, really? they, they were starting together trying to be henchmen, you know? Oh, wow. And, and this guy, he's, he's uh, another like big player in the Sinaloa cartel, mm-hmm. told him, like, you know what? You're not going to make a lot of money with the anthrax. I mean, they they have respect, but they don't make a lot of money. You're from Tijuana, dude. I know a couple of guys that work for us in Tijuana. La Rana y Aquiles, two brothers working for El Mayo Zambada right there. Go out with them, work for them, and that's where you're going to make money. And he's like, fuck yes. He introduced me to those guys. I stayed loyal to, the, to them, and I started making shit tons of fucking money by helping trafficking drugs and being part of their security team. Started growing up, El Nini started growing up with the, with Los Chapitos. Mm-hmm. And then he went to work for El Russo, right? Because El Russo called for backup to Aquiles and La Rana. So like, hey, right. I'm, I'm going to go fight back my turf in Sinaloa. He went with them. El Russo is like, hey, come work with me. And then El Nini and him started like fighting. So like this culture of these corrido, like these corridos, they're bas- it's basically like songs, right? They're mm-hmm. like f- famous songs about legendary drug traffickers yeah dead or alive right so like there's this culture of the the allure that the allure of being this big cartel member or this person with power in mexico driving these big lifted trucks driving lambos having guns Mm -hmm. and they market it almost to the youth of mexico the really young kids it's like wow look at these people they have this power they have these great cars and then the barrier to entry is like you have to become a killer like you have a, a young 12 13 14 year old like if you want to be in the cartel you have to show us that you can kill is that sort of like how they bring them in uh, you don't want like i, uh, I didn't want to believe that the music has the power to bring someone to try to be part of the drug uh, i felt like it was almost like when when the whole um columbine uh Mm-hmm. Massively happened, and everyone they blamed it on Marilyn Manson. <laughs> Marilyn Manson. I was, I was like, dude, that that's fucking dumb. Uh, which it is. God, dude. That but is so the story ridiculous. of El Plaga, particularly in Mexico, in Narcocorridos, kind of tells me otherwise, right? Because he got enticed by the music, by the anthrax. He's like, I want to be one of those fucking guys. And he even uses a name that has to do with a viral infection, right? <laughs> the anthrax and yeah. Plaga, plague. plague yeah. So a lot of these kids, they work for that. They not, it's not even money. It's not even power. It's for like being famed and having their own corridos. And look at what Peso Pluma is doing right now. Everybody, everybody, no one really knew El Nini, right? Right. Until Peso Pluma started singing about him. Everybody wants to be El Nini now. If, if you go into my Instagram account, I have a, a photo of his arrest. And the comments, it's like free El Nini. Yeah, man, Alani's the real dude, and blah blah blah, and these, like everybody's like, you know, 
super excited about that man and and they're like vouching for him yeah but like the difference between those guys and the columbine shooters there's a stark difference these guys are trying to make a name for themselves they want fame they want money they yeah. want a, they want a life they're coming from nothing yeah right? exactly. they're coming yeah. from poverty definitely yeah these, yeah these shooters at these schools like columbine or whatever these guys were complete anti-social had no friends who exactly. knows what kind of like i don't know if they, if they were on depressants or whatever and these religious fanatics want yeah. to come after them blaming that Marilyn Manson is the antichrist they listen to these goth music these guys knew they were going to die exactly right? yeah, they, yeah, it, was a, yeah. it was a suicide absolutely yeah. no, not, saying, not saying it, was, it is the same at all it's absolutely different different motivations different and Marilyn situations. Manson's interview with the guy who made Columbine the Col Bowling for Columbine Michael Dr. Moore Michael Moore he asked him asked Marilyn Manson he goes if you, if you could talk to these kids if you could say one thing to these two guys who killed everybody what would you say to them and Marilyn Manson's response was I wouldn't say a word to them yeah. he's like I would ask them questions yeah. and that's what nobody did. Exactly. So basically saying like yeah. these kids were unheard for for most part of his life. Right. They were this not hurt. Yeah, they had no one to talk to. That's probably the same shit. I mean, I don't know, dude, but probably a, a kid, because again, this whole story about these kids not having a chance and being impoverished and saying like this is the only way they could, you know, that probably happened with a different generation. That happened with El Chapo, with mm. El Mayo, that they grew up in extreme poverty in the, in the woods, whatever. And El Chapo started by killing people, right? He, like, was, a, no. he was originally like a fucking Sicario. Yeah, yeah. But these guys, these are city kids. They're not rich, right? But they're middle class. They live well. They can go to school. Like El Nini, El Plaga. Mm. These kids are not like, that was my only option. They actually were looking for that option. They were looking for that, right? And, and it's, again, it's like, why? Why? Probably because how we all uh, put these guys on a fucking pedestal, right? We talk about these guys like they're major players. We kind of like look up for them and say like, oh, these guys, you know? And that is exactly why I try to interview all these people. Because mm -hmm. I'm like, dude, I want to bring him down to humans, right? To what they face, to what they mm -hmm. are. Because otherwise, you only listen to the corridos about them. Right. And what, what do the corridos of El Plaga say? He's a badass killer. He's a good man. He has a good heart, but he takes no shit. That's why he kills a lot of men. And if you cross his path, he's going to chop your fucking head, whatever. Makes him look like this bravado, macho man mm -hmm. that is cool and he's fine. But if you cross my, my way, I'm not going to have mercy. And it's like, dude, no. These people are bad in the fucking head, right? Mm -hmm. They're fucking killers. They don't give a shit. They move fucking drugs. They, right. you know, they, they, they're doing a sh lot of like crimes that are affecting us, mm -hmm. all of us. And they face ugly lives. They face living like rats. They face living without, like, like these dudes. Like I ask him, like, why will you be open to share a lot of shit on your Instagram? And he told me like, well, I don't, I don't share the beheadings I do. I don't share like that kind of stuff that's going to get me in trouble. What I share is my luxury life, right? My watches, whatever. Because that's why I do these for, right? For money. And if I can show it, then what's the what's goal? That lets you understand. He's, he's, like, he's like, okay, so this dude beheads people. He chops people's heads off. But he doesn't show that. What he shows is his luxury life. And he does that because on his head, he's doing what he does for the money to show, right? So if, if, if he can't show, then there is no sense in what he's doing. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's like it's it's making a name for themselves and like sort of symbolic immortality. Trying to, you know, they 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 get corridos made after them and they live on beyond. Like if they die tomorrow, there's going to be a corrido or mm -hmm. you know some of these graveyards that have like these crazy memorials to yeah. these guys. People go there and party, and it's insane. Yeah, dude. Um, I mean, it's 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 wild how they how they leave, and I don't know what's gonna happen with El Plata guys. We're gonna get behind because after the interview came out, also it went huge in Mexico because the Mexican government actually kind of pushed back, so that made this story even amplified more. Yeah. And he closed his um, Instagram for a couple of weeks or months. Um, he recently opened it back up, and but he he caught all connections, you know, so. One of your stories that you've most recently done that terrifies me the most is the story of this Titan software. Yes. How did you first come come to learn about this software and explain what it is? Again, uh, it was it was an anonymous tip first. Um, one of uh, a source reached out again on Instagram. Mm -hmm. He said like, "Hey, dude, you need to know about this software that Mexican and cartels are using," and I'm only sharing this with you. Because I think you are the one to publish this story, whatever, to find out more about it. And uh, I can't tell you a lot of stuff about these guys. So, so for his security, right? But, um, but basically, Titan, what this is, is a Mexican development, a software that is like a mega database for a lot of Mexican databases, right? It gets Mexican border ID database, uh, phone companies, different mobile and uh, land phone companies, databases, uh, banks, most of the banks, probably all of them, um, credit scores, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, criminal backgrounds, da, 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 and also has the capability to live track you. And it is as easy as to enter a full name or what we call in Mexico an RFC, which is your basic tax ID, or a phone number. And... Do, by doing that, well, these these source offered me a login to go in and try the try the platform. It was mind blowing how fucking easy it is to just enter. I asked permission to a friend of mine in Mexico uh, if I could enter his name or a phone number to track him. Right, enter his info, and it gave me a several uh, sheets of personal data like his most recent calls, like a list of logs. Um, and then th these database makes like this cr call crossing to try to identify like how close the people he's talking to are to him. Like you can tell probably that he called his mom or he calls, there are like a hundred calls in the last month to this number, right? So it, it, the circle is- Who bigger. he talks to the most. Exactly, who talks to the most and whatever, like more, most recent calls, whatever. It gives you a sheet about his uh, credit score, uh, security That's background crazy. check, uh, 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 yeah, background check, uh, his license plates, the cars he owns, uh, addresses, different addresses through the years, Mexican border ID, license, um, what else? I can't, I can't, it was like a bunch of like shit, dude, like uh, his different phone numbers, um and uh, a list of the last hour location uh every 15 minutes a pinpoint where every 15 minutes he was he was for the last hour or the last two hours uh, so you can track where he was where he's been the last 15 15 per 15 minutes dropping point like pop up on a map 
and then you can access this live location. What this live location uses, it's a, pro a protocol called SS7, which is a which is a mobile protocol used by companies, mobile companies all over the world, so they can communicate between each other. Without this protocol, if, if I have Verizon, you have AT&T, we wouldn't be able to communicate with each other. Mm -hmm. That's why you can communicate with people in China or Mexico, mm -hmm. whatever. But this protocol has been widely criticized for a while because of its vulnerabilities. It's super easy to access this protocol without any malware or whatever. And Mexico, a few years back, made this anti-monopoly law that uh, basically bans a single mobile phone company to own the whole registry or the, or the or the biggest spectrum for the use of mobile technology, right? For m mobile um, communication waves. Right. And what this does is that you and I can set up a mobile company in Mexico, right? We can show up uh, with paperwork and say, like, we want to start our own um, Danny Jones uh, phone mobile phone company. Mm -hmm. It's super easy to get approved, and you will have to pay the rent for access to this protocol, right? Mm -hmm. That you you pay that to the biggest companies because it's cheaper than to get one of your own, right? Mm -hmm. Your own protocol. It's so like now, okay, pay you, for a license. Or yeah, you, you pay for the license that uh, AT and T is using, mm -hmm. and you can use that for your own small company. So a lot of criminals and a lot of like these security software shady companies are accessing this SS7 protocol. And through that SS7 protocol, they can pinpoint where you're at live without even sending you a malware or whatever. It's just legal because that's access to a protocol that every legal mobile phone company has. Mm -hmm. And that's where they're accessing your, your shit and live tracking you all over the world. On my article, my story on Vice News, for legal reasons, I, I didn't want to face the U.S. government asking questions, ah, whatever. It was just too messy to say that it works all over the world. So I proved that in Mexico, but I proved on my own devices in the U.S., in Texas. And it worked. Because it works through SS7, or it, can, it, it also works through a different way of doing things, which is basically the, the GPS, which is the triangle between the nearest uh, phone and Right, tennis, right. right. Kind of like triangles at three point, point points your location. So they can take the software, enter your name or your phone number or your social security number, mm -hmm. and they can pinpoint where you are anywhere in the fucking world. Anywhere. Find your credit score, <clears throat> find your recent call list, read your text messages. I'm, I'm assuming. Maybe. I I didn't access the. Okay, no text. No, no, I don't. I okay. don't think so. I or probably I didn't because I I didn't. <clears throat> work on the on the platform enough like i just went through the because mm -hmm. it's it, it show it 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 gives you a huge document you know with a lot of different pages and a lot of like excels and maps and blah, 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 and then you have to go and interpret it out what is everything right you know? i sent you a video i think you can put up a video of like how the screener uh goes when how how does it looks like but dude it's so fucking easy and the most terrifying thing it's like a lot of people is going to say like well there was pegasus right back then it's known yeah. pegasus pegasus yeah, yeah. It's been developed by the israeli, uh, israeli cyber arm it was a cyber arms basically weapon you you could call it but it was marketed by the israelis as a tool yeah. to weed out criminals and it, terrorists but obviously was not used by that it was it, used by governments to 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 weed out dissidents or journalists yeah. so the thing is pegasus 
look at all the information you have about Pegasus, right? Because it's available. It's information easily available. Well, that that's that's one of the, like, the sheets it sends out. Okay, so this is the the information that you get. Yeah, that's a uh, that's a brief. Uh, I will I will I wouldn't zoom on any info in case there is like you know, but uh, probably most of the four numbers are not working anymore. So it's all good. Okay. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's that's how it looks. Whoa. Gives you a lot of fucking info, dude. Gives you a lot of stuff. So now, Pegasus, the thing is, it was developed by a proper known company developing software and acquired by official means uh, by the governments, right? It wasn't acquired under the table. It was officially acquired by governments. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah, it's like the, 200 grand. You can pay for a license exactly. for Pegasus. The thing with, they have the zero day exploit with that. So exactly. like you don't need to click on a link. You can just basically send some send, send it to somebody and it automatically infects their yes. phone. They don't need to click shit. Definitely more aggressive, definitely more access. I mean, gives you more access to a device, right? Because you mm -hmm. can turn on and off cameras, uh, microphones, whatever. Yeah. This shit is nothing like that. Right. But the, the thing I find more dangerous about this thing is that it is not acquired officially by governments. This is highly overlooked, highly shady. Um, the login, there is no information who's behind this shit. You don't know because it's a single developer in Mexico that gets a, a hand of... People say like, okay, but the Mexican INE, the Mexican border ID, they have a lot of like firewalls. So it so it's almost impossible to access that shit without strong malware. Well, the thing is, you don't need it because your malware is corruption, right? right? You pay someone in to let to to give you the whole access to an updated database of that shit. Same with phone companies, banks, blah 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 blah. That's how this shit is working. Now, this is I spoke to the developer, and he he said my intention to this was to provide a. Um, uh, governments all over the world access to track criminals but I know that it's been used by you know having a bad use whatever um, and this is not acquired on official cap capability right it's, it's been acquired by a single state commander that says okay the license is super cheap it's about a hundred uh, thousand bucks uh, give me 500 licenses I'll pay it on my own pocket and I'll, and I'll, I'll give access to my agents you know, mm -hmm. so we can work this properly, this platform. But I'll subrent it. I'm gonna rent this out to criminals as well, to people on the cartel Jalisco, cartel de Sinaloa. So they track rivals or day-to-day -day citizens, and that's how this shit is working. That's 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 how they find people that they want to disappear, to kidnap, to kill. They use this kind and of people within the Mexican law enforcement or military are knowingly licensing this software out to the cartels. Dude, this is the biggest proof that Mexico is a fucking narco state. They're working side by side. You only have access to this kind of shit by invitation to a WhatsApp group. The, this WhatsApp group admins are either four or five different admins. It's a mix between state police commanders and cartel members, high-ranking cartel members. This is the council that'll give you access to this WhatsApp group where you have access to this technology, to signal blockers, to exotic animals, to terror, 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 blah, blah, a bunch of shit. Like passport, I'll show you photos of like fake US passports, but they're like, because they're coming out of the consulate. It's a lot of crazy shit, dude. Like if you, if you need a different 
identity in Mexico, you can easily get it. Easily. It's it's wild, dude. It's it's fucking wild. Yeah, that's what that dude was telling me, the guy you introduced me to, um, who came in here. What's <laughs> yeah, his name? Yeah, 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 yeah. Fernando. Fernando, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Fernando, Fernando Puente. He uh he was telling me how he when he was a coyote, they basically would bring you into a house, they would they would have a whole change of clothes for you and make you look like a fucking worker. Yeah. They'd re they create you a brand new passport and get yeah, you across dude. the border. Yeah, dude. I mean they even they're even selling Yo, Steve, pull up that tweet I sent you earlier. They're even selling What is this, bro? This is bombs that they hang into drones it, it even one of the selling points is like it has its hanger for the for your drone so you can oh drop my it. god so the dji little consumer drones that you buy on amazon and best buy they can carry these things uh-huh. and they just drop them and they just drop them a drone bomb yeah dude this is the kind of shit they're selling on these whatsapp groups oh my bombs god. though Twenty-two thousand pesos which is a thousand bucks. And who is getting these bombs? Uh, cartel, this council in these WhatsApp groups. Well, these bombs. So the Mexican uh, military is getting them and selling them on the black market to the cartels. Yes, exactly. Yes. These kind of like, like high Jesus, level weapons. It's car. It's a it, it, people know about about um, guns. A uh, car is pretty expensive. A scar, yeah. And this is a car all covered in gold, right? With a scope and a lot gold of gold magazine, yeah. gold handle, gold butt <laughs> barrel. It's ridiculous. I mean, but what was that thing you were showing us earlier with that that fucking thing that looked like a uh, oh, the laser gun? The laser. Oh well, gun. that that gun. That's one. That's a single uh, uh, signal jammer. They, a signal they, they use that against their own technology, right? Because if the Jalisco cartel, has, that, yeah, 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 if the Jalisco cartel has drones, bombing, you know, with bombs, well, you need protection against that, but you also need protection against the government drones that are looking over your turf. Uh-huh. So they will, they will, they will on the same group, they will sell these kind of shit, so you can block. And how does this thing right here work? It's basically a shotgun that blocks the signal of of your drone. So if you have a drone that is communicating through GPS to find its way, whatever, mm-hmm. as soon as you fire this shit, it blocks the signal of that of that. Uh, basically, shuts off your drone, so it drops. Oh my god, bro, dude! It's it's so wild that mo- a lot of like police, they don't even know that this is happening on these WhatsApp groups, cause. This world is so small, the criminal world is so small that one time I was at a bar with one of my sources. He's, uh, he works for, for the Mexican military. So I was at a bar with him and we're talking this and that. And on the WhatsApp group I had access back then, I'm not part of the WhatsApp group anymore, but they, someone posted a pair of binoculars, but they look like super high-tech binoculars, not, not your regular night vision shit. They look like really something, and they were like really expensive. They were selling those shit for 200,000 pesos, which is uh, like 10 grand. And I was like, dude, this looks like something really geared up, not your regular binoculars. So I show him to him. So I was like, do you have any clue what this is? Like, what kind of binoculars are these? He looks at it. And he fu- he goes pale. He's like, where do you get this? And I'm like, uh, uh, Soros is selling them. Dude, no, no, no. Can I use your phone, please? And I'm like, no, no, no. Wait, wait, wait. What happened? He's like, no, just just send me a photo, like a screenshot of that shit. And I was like, all right. Yeah, by all means. What happened? He's like, just give me a second. Picks up his, his phone. 
He calls someone. It's like, hey, remember that fucking pair of binoculars uh, you bought for me? Well, guess 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 where they are, and and then he's like, exactly, dude. He's with with the Jalisco cartel. Why? Why are these binoculars in the hands of the Jalisco? He's like, okay, just think about that. Boom, he hangs his phone. He's like, dude, I sold this uh, pair of binoculars. This exact pair, because he's like, I'm pretty sure that you zoom in. They have a mark where mm-hmm. I raise the seat, whatever, to a guy who works on the military as well. And it turns out he's selling this shit to the Jalisco. So I was like, fuck, okay, dude. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, yeah, dude, like this world is, is so there's a, they're, they're sourcing from official, unofficial, military, police, U.S. military. Every, they're sourcing from everywhere and they have access to a lot of fucking shit, dude. This was a major, major leak um, that this source granted me access to. He granted me access to. Look at this shit. What these are all IDs and passports. Yeah, U.S. U.S. resident permanent resident cards and passports. They are not fake. They have all the all the ceilings, all the all the markings, because they're coming out of properly from the from a U.S. from a, a U.S. consulate in Mexico. How much money? What percentage of the revenue that these cartels are bringing in is from is from smuggling people over the border? Right now, dude, that is huge money. That is huge money. This uh, smuggler in Ciudad Juarez, he recently told me for a story that they they are making more money from smuggling people than from smuggling coke. So he's like, dude, we're kind of like dropping that. We're now huge on the human smuggling side of it. Because for a single male, just to get him across the border, literally over and down the wall... They're charging eighteen hundred U.S. dollars for a single man. If you're moving a whole family, and they 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 ask you to go to, mm-hmm. I don't know, New York. Yeah. Then you you arrange the whole fucking thing from. They'll even drive you in fucking New York. Yeah, dude. I mean, they they pass they pass they get you passed through checkpoints, and then they say you're not on a bus, right? Because then there's no more checkpoints after twenty miles from the border. There are no more checkpoints. Wow. There's only one, well, like there are checkpoints in a circle around uh, 20 miles from the border and they get passed through that using different tricks and different. Play this video, Steve. This video is wild. I just saw this on Twitter this morning. It looks like these guys are somehow like they're tying this shit around those. Oh, that's clever. And they're, they're making them, what is it? They're widening the, the bars or breaking them. They're, cut, they're cutting off the... They're sawing those bars off. Oh. You, you'll see it. There it is. Is this the Trump wall? Yeah. They're just waving at the cameraman. Yeah, they're better. They they're laughing. Look at him. That, that dude is uh, recording. <laughs> it's yeah. a joke. They don't give a shit, man. Look at this. And again, are they really a threat? I mean, look at these kids and this no. woman. Yeah. Uh, they, they're not the fucking threat, man. They are not. <laughs> these guys are making money. So these guys are coyotes? These guys are coyotes, yeah. That's exactly what happens with, uh, with most of the deterrence policies. How recent was this? Can you, can you look at the tweet and see when this was or where this was? Like was where specifically on the border was this? 
December 11th. This was posted. Okay, this was just posted a week ago. Mm-hmm. Just a The cartels lady. run the border now. Yeah. yeah. And it's uh it's it's pretty obvious. I mean, what what was happening before before the whole deterrence, right? Nothing, really. I mean, a lot of Mexicans were were, were coming in and back out. They were yeah. like getting across to work and then back to Mexico and then back the next day. But when you put in place the Terrence policies when you put right. crocodiles and you know crazy shit cartels are gonna bank on that they're shit they're gonna make money on it. they're that. gonna make a lot of fucking money on it and you make them powerful by trying to stop migrants from reaching the border and not having a system in place you're making them reach if the borders were open as people say like they're wide open well who's gonna charge for a wide open border right, right. no one will be making money right uh, you will you will face a lot of like, a lot of like, uh, a, a mess of 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 migrants coming over illegally to mm-hmm. the U.S. Right, that that's a different thing, but no one will be making money. No criminal organization will be banking on it. Mm-hmm. But when you close the borders, when you really close the borders and make it harder and harder, and push people to more remote places in the desert, through the sea, across a huge wall, under tunnels. That's where they're going to cash in, and they're going to become more and more and more powerful because of the money they are amassing. The harder it is to do it, the more money they can make. Absolutely, dude. And when you can just sh- shove a couple kilos in a backpack and walk across the border legally, yeah, like this, it's yeah, not dude. that well, hard to do. Again, the migrants are not breaking drugs. The, the cartels don't work like that. They don't put two eggs in the same basket. They ninety. If you go into CVP, and I and I really ask all the people to do that because it's open information go to cvp.gov mm-hmm. and look for the stats statistics on seizures right mm-hmm. how much drug is being seized through ports of entry and in between ports of entry i mean through the desert through the wall whatever 99.8 percent is getting seized on ports of entry on proper ports of entry like shipping ports not like the uh, regular Bridges. Oh, 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 gotcha. Yeah, vehicles, commercial, uh, personal vehicles, whatever, like mm-hmm. what we use, like 99.8. Mm-hmm. Very little drugs are being smuggled in between walls because it's riskier and you don't need that shit. Right. What you need is a full border packed, like when the CBP officers are taking a long time checking on you and that's making a huge fucking line right on on, on the bridge mm-hmm. that's when they they're like so so these these holiday seasons like december a lot of mexicans go to the, to the u.s to buy gifts for christmas right so the so the um so the border waiting times are like fucking three four five hours you have to stand in line to get across into the u.s and shit that's when they guys take advantage of that shit there's like there's a lot of cars we have more chances of pulling one car packed with fentanyl in a hundred thousand cars. You know, Fernando was telling me that there was a system in place. I'm not sure if it's still in place where people, citizens of Tijuana, actually have. There's programs where they can cross the border every day to go to work mm-hmm. in the U.S. in San yeah. Diego or mm-hmm. somewhere. Yeah, it's a, it's a border crossing card. Yeah. Is that still in place? Do yeah, they still do that. Yeah, 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 that's still in place. Which I mean, again, it's it's for border crossers, right? Like mm-hmm. it, you're 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 perfectly legal to go. You're Mexican citizen, but you work in the U.S. <laughs> you go back and forth. I heard a guy. This guy, uh, John Mearsheimer, was was uh, doing a podcast on uh, Lex Friedman, and he, they were talking about immigration. And basically, John Mearsheimer was making the point that 
um, the two main things for a country to become powerful are there's two proxies. One is GDP and the second one is population. Mm -hmm. And he was making the argument that like people in the US, Americans, young Americans aren't having, they aren't making babies like they used to. Mm -hmm. And he's saying that the immigration of people from South America and Mexico is a good thing. Because they're still making babies and they're still crossing the U.S. Yeah. We, we want more people. Yeah. More people is good and more people equals, equals a higher GDP. Yeah, definitely. If, if you actually have a program to make these people enter the workforce legally, right? Yes. If yeah. you make these people enter the workforce, then, yeah, you have, you have a lot of people working, making money, moving money, and you have a larger population, right? Mm-hmm. When you remove the whole race about it you know when you if you want a country just of white people and you don't take into account immigrants and say like well they don't count let's just count for the white people because this is america whatever mm-hmm. that, that that doesn't work right if you take into account a lot of like immigrants say like okay let's let's make these people work and make them get into the workforce then you definitely have a stronger workforce right well-paid paying taxes buying shit buying houses all this stuff well the crazy thing is like they 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 don't punish i don't know exactly what what the system is but i don't the the people who run big companies that hire these illegal immigrants they, Mm -hmm. they know they have tons of legal immigrants working for them yeah and they pay them cash and they pay don't pay them a lot of money exactly dude they're fucking so they're they're, fucking they're benefiting on it yeah that's why mexico is our biggest trading partners because we do what we put 90 percent of our manufacturing in mexico and we get it dirt cheap yeah dude i mean again this country is not in hands of bad politicians it's in hand of fucking robbers that are owning huge companies that are stealing from the country there's, they're doing all these crazy yeah. fucking shit, like outsourcing for cheapest fucking labor, benefiting everyone, but right. only their own pocket. It's so whose fault is that? Is that the guy who's trying to work to pay his family and he he's not a citizen, so he has to get paid cash, but he's providing all this labor. He's working harder than any fucking other person on the job site or whatever it may be. Is it their fault or is it the fucking guy who owns the company? Who knows he's getting it's, this shit for 50 cents on the dollar? It's corporate America, dude. Right. That, what is, what is, who's fucking up? They own the fucking country. They're doing all these crazy shitty policies for their own. Mm-hmm own fucking benefit but for the demise of the whole country mm-hmm. I, I i i'm pretty sure that any politician call it biden or call it trump they're well educated enough to know what's better for a country but they are in the fucking hands or the paws of corporate america yeah they don't give a shit yeah. they're gonna tell you like no you know what what's best for our country let's outsource everything to china let's outsource everything to mexico right and let's and and, and let's uh let's uh let these uh illegal immigrants work illegally and get paid cash instead of like actually put them on the workforce and make them pay taxes like right. anyone of us for the benefit of the country right, right. and them because they're going to be legal so it was a win-win mm-hmm. but with the only ones the only ones losing is the owners of that company they're going to have to pay taxes and employees and all that shit they don't want to do that yeah because they want to earn this extra fucking penny yeah and the politicians all they want to do is they they're going to do whatever it takes to stay in power to stay in power yeah yeah and if, and if these guys corporate america call it corporate cartels american corp american cartels whatever mm-hmm. 
they work as fucking cartels, dude. Exactly right. the same shit, it's right? The same shit. And they own it's just, it. Just it just it's within legal boundaries. There's a machine. There's a mechanism in America that allows this stuff to work legally. Yeah. And I mean, senators and politicians, they're they're basically prostitutes to big organizations, exactly, pharmaceutical dude. or whatever it might be. Exactly, dude. Yes, that's that that that's what's happening with this country, which is we we talked about this uh, yesterday. Like this is still like this is a country that manages to every. 80, 70, 50, 100 years to renew itself and it's fucking great and it's because of its people, right? Because mm-hmm. of the benefits that people has. They kind of like take everything for granted but when when this country feels that their level of comfortable is being threatened, that's when it steps up and it's great and it's it's something that it's not happening in Mexico. Places like Mexico, we're optimistic about it. Mm-hmm. We say like, no, right. this year we're doing great, we're doing better every year. But in reality, we're going to shit. It's just our opinion that it's naturally optimistic. And we're feeling that we're doing better every administration, every year. We now have a, we now have a train. We now have electricity. We now have whatever. Fucking country is going to shit. While this country, the opinion usually goes like that. But the country goes like this. It, it always comes up right. first, right? It's cyclical. And, and it's because people still has the capability to turn the country over, right? To say like, okay, it's not Biden, it's not Trump, it's not the migrants, it's the fucking corporations. Let's fucking switch that up. And, and, it, and it gets a lot of sacrifices for the people, right? Like mm-hmm. economical depressions and all that shit. Right. But it works at the end. And this country renews itself. And that's, that's beautiful about it. You know? That's, that's, that's yeah. cool. Well, bro, I always enjoy these conversations with you. Same, bro. Your flight is uh, coming soon. We got to yeah. get you out of here. Oh, but, I'd like um, to catch. <laughs> but I really enjoyed that. Where do you envision the next? Where, where do you envision the the dynamic playing ground of the cartels in Mexico going and the factions? Where Where do you think this is going in the next like five years? The next five years are going to be definitely interesting because the whole playground it's going to be on this side of the border this is where everybody's going to be either arrested or free or snitching or talking or try or, or on trials and this is going to become really interesting to watch all these legal developments i'm pretty sure that we're going to start seeing also killings in the streets of the u.s from these players right it is not the first time it happened before in miami it happened before when the all the Colombian cartels were arrested and brought to justice into the U.S. after Pablo Escobar. They all were here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. snitching, talking, uh, playing their cards on this and killing each other on on this side of the border. And this is what is going to happen eventually here with the Sinaloa cartel, probably most on the West Coast and L.A. and all those places. Mm-hmm. But but the next playground for these guys for, for the next five years, because you, you're going to have the uh, trial of a video. Mm-hmm. Probably one or two other chapitos. Probably some of them are going to get killed in Mexico. Then you're going to have the Mayos. Uh, then you're going to have new players, the Sinaloa Cartel. You're going to have a Nini, Damasos, you know, all these people that are already on this side of the border. Three mm-hmm. out of the four kids of El Mayo are on this side of the border. Uh, one chapito and his security chief is probably going to be soon on this side of the border. Damaso is on this side of the border. So everybody, everybody's going to be on this side of the border cooperating with authorities, and that's going to play out really interesting. Well, I'll be following you closely. 
Oh, yeah. Again, tell everybody where to watch your videos and read your Substack and all that. Subscribe to my YouTube channel. I'm going to I'm gonna rebump my YouTube channel, hopefully make it more consistent. Breaking news there before on Legacy Media. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm trying to make the uh, leap of faith, you know, with your help, of course. Uh, <laughs> when I relaunch with some good stuff, um, I'm, I'm going to be back and, and asking for a solid from you to, Hell yeah, to help man. me rebump my, my YouTube channel. Man. Hell yeah, man. I'm psyched. Um, I'll link it below. Yeah. And uh, thanks again, man. We'll get you back in here sometime next year. Fuck yes. All right. Goodbye, world.